Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. Budget makes much of the front pages and a lot of the inside pages as well where they talk of budget 2022 with the Taoiseach defending the budget saying it's not just crumbs and it's not just robbing Peter to pay Paul. Others call it uh, kind of like a, a fiver day. Uh, you got to wonder why? Well, because the number five comes up an awful lot right across the day. Yesterday, a fiver increase in social welfare uh, payments, a fiver increase in weekly payments for pensioners, a fiver on the uh, fuel allowance and stuff like that. Um, of course, we also will come back to that a little later on. I'll talk with uh, Simon Coveney in a few minutes. If you have questions for uh, Simon Coveney, uh, text 0868104106. So fags go up, uh, welfare goes up uh, by a fiver, fags are up by uh, 50 cent on a box of 20. The Christmas bonus remains. No change with regards to alcohol, beer, wine or spirits or anything like that. And 30 cent on the minimum wage. There's lots more than that, of course, and not a single dicky bird at all for people who are paying exorbitant rents. So it's not got, not just crumbs. Um, a little, but not a lotto, uh, as the Sun says this morning. And in fact, the mail sums it up for many people. It's gone before you can get it at all. And all of the papers break it down, actually, with regards to you know what it'll mean in your pocket or not. It's a bit like give with the left hand, take with the right, Robin Peter to pay Paul. Mind you, the Independent calls it a giveaway gamble. Um, where they're talking about uh, throwing enough money at everything to try and please someone, please everybody at least a little bit. Um, I was thinking about it yesterday with regards to uh, 50% off travel for some students and free contraceptives that they're going after the Sinn Féin youth vote. But if you're working for home, you need to be working for home, I believe, at least uh, 100 days of year, days a year. And let's say you are without drilling into it and you have broadband and heat and light it could be worth around about €100 Euro to you a year, no more than that. Mind you, there are other stories in the papers today. The, the latest research out um, says that almost half of the people working remotely with the remote, with the remote work-life balance seem to uh, enjoy it. Um, men more likely than women to enjoy it, apparently, and they're taking regular breaks during the workday as well. Uh, I, I, I'm still not convinced that it's the way forward. I think the blend is probably fine, but I think that this full-time business of working from home the way it was for a long, long time for many people. Can't be good for your health. Uh, with regards to uh, the announcement of 800 new Gardaí, um, uh, the Lord Mayor of Cork, Councillor Colin Kelleher, makes the echo, uh, saying that he will be lobbying very hard to make sure that Cork gets its fair share uh, of the, uh, the, the new guards. A lot of the time we get the recruits who come down for a bit of training down here and then Many of them just get soaked up like a sponge up in places like Dublin. And Tommy Gould makes the papers today, particularly the Echo, because he's livid about the fact that there is absolutely nothing for people who are renting in the budget. So more on that and lots more besides. Your thoughts on it are welcome. Text 0868104106. Little 11-year-old Alex uh, has settled his high court action against the HSE for almost 20 million euro. And his super mother says that every cent would be used to give her son the quality of life that he deserves. He's an 11-year-old boy with cerebral palsy. Um, he sued over the circumstances of his birth at the COMH and they settled the High Court action yesterday. And that's a front page of making the, the echo today. Paddy Maloney, uh, the piper, uh, the leader of the Chieftains, um, died yesterday at the age of 83. A giant in Irish music. I always thought he was the most unassuming guy considering the power of the Chieftains. 
Sure, at home, absolutely, but all over the world. And they call, I mean, if you were to call him a traditional musician, I think that would be uh, underestimating his breadth of talent, really, because he duetted and, and worked with bands and artists the length and breadth of the cunt of the world. I mean, he was an incredibly versatile guy. And the papers have photographs of him this morning, uh, working, uh, working and gigging with the likes of Bob Dylan and Mick Jagger and Imelda May and people like that on the front and inside pages. So they're saying farewell to the chief, as in chief of the chieftains. And one of the red tops this morning says, oh, Paddy boy, the pipes, the pipes are calling. It's a very funny story. Uh, you know, a lot of celebrities now will do these kind of like, um, uh, they, they make extra money, celebrities doing cameos, sending birthday requests or best wishes to people, videos. They charge you for it. Nigel Farage did one yesterday and apparently some fella caught him uh, and the video is going around of Nigel Farage sending a, a birthday greeting to a fellow where he says, I hope you enjoy a few pints with the lads tonight. Up the ra. Billy Connolly makes the papers also because he said if he was a comedian now or starting out now, he'd never be allowed on a stage at all. He says the world has become way too woke for him. And he says that his jokes just would not in any way, shape or form be acceptable. He said he'd be cancelled if he was starting out today. And he gave an example to uh, the Times of London this morning with regards to, and this is not meant in any bad taste. It's an example of what he says would not be accepted. He says, uh, I met a fellow at the bus stop with no legs. I said, how are you getting on? He says that would never be accepted now. Um, and also there is a drone company apparently that up to now have been delivering food and they've been delivering all sorts of snacks and coffees and groceries to hundreds of houses around Oranmore in the county Galway. Now they are deciding that it might be a good idea because they trialed it at the weekend delivering pints of plastic glasses uh, of Guinness uh, to the driveways of customers in Dublin. So the drone, you order it on the line as you do, and then the drone hovers down and finds some space on your driveway, maybe the roof of the car, and it literally plunks the pints, the plastic pints, on top of the car or on the driveway or at your front door. Uh, Job done. Um, Also, the papers this morning say that the greatest decade of all was actually the 80s. You can't beat the 80s, particularly when it comes to music. And if you wind the clock back from the 80s to the 70s, um, men used to get their hair permed. And a good example of this would have been the Kevin Keegan perm. Go and Google that later on for photographs of Kevin Keegan. Because apparently that perm hairstyle is back in vogue. It's back in vogue again. And hairstylists are struggling with it because they... You don't learn that kind of thing in hairdressing college anymore, apparently. But they've got to learn and they have to cobble together some way of doing it because apparently more and more men want the perm. And there's a fantastic, a couple of fantastic stories relating to music in, in the Times UK uh, this morning. One is this an ongoing spat between Paul McCartney and Mick Jagger. There has been for a long time. But the latest back and forth was uh, Paul McCartney branding the Rolling Stones a blues cover band, uh, where Jagger responded then in a later interview that said, that's so funny, he's a sweetheart there's obviously no competition I mean, one band is unbelievably lucky still to be playing in stadiums and the other band doesn't exist so the spats keep going but McCarthy threw the rock world into confusion earlier in the week because for many they had thought that it was actually McCartney that broke up the Beatles I, I never believed that but a lot of people apparently do and he said that it wasn't him it was John Lennon he says I didn't instigate the splits as McCartney that was our Johnny he said Johnny came in one day and said uh, uh, oh, I said, uh, walked into the room and said uh, I'm leaving the Beatles um, it's like a divorce I'm divorcing you. Uh, and then he said the rest of us were left to pick up the pieces. And McCartney said the point of it really was that John was making a new life with Yoko, you see. And he wanted uh, he wanted uh, 
to lie in a bed for a week in Amsterdam for peace and you couldn't argue with that and that was the end of the Beatles The Neil Prenderville Show Lines open at one 106 You can text 086-8104-106 and email neil at uh, redfm.ie Happy to say that I have uh, the Minister for Foreign Affairs Cork South Central TD Simon Coveney by phone this morning Simon, good morning Morning, Neil. Good to talk to you. And you too. Thanks for taking the call. I know you guys are up the walls with media and press, so I appreciate it. Um, Some of the papers this morning are saying, you know, it's a kind of give with one hand and take with the other, which is really what budgets are about anyway. Um, Are there any standout points that you believe that will make any difference at all to people's lives? And we have a fiver here and a fiver there and free contraceptives. But really, other than that kind of tokenism, there's nothing. Well, look, we're spending an extra 4.7 billion euros uh, for people, um, and most of that is direct expenditure. I mean, there's some, there's a tax package that's worth about half a billion. Um, but, you know, if you look at social welfare, for example, I think we are genuinely trying to recognize that the cost of living is going up, and that's a big worry for people. You know, this is a, an 870 million euro package on social welfare alone. Um, so, you know, we are trying to use public money to support people, in particular in low incomes. Uh, uh, to make sure that we recognize that we know the cost of energy is going up. Uh, we know that people uh, who are renting uh, are really struggling um, uh, in many cases to pay their rent. But we know we have a housing crisis. We're going to spend six billion euros next year on housing, which is by far the biggest spend ever. Um, uh, and that's going to drive uh, uh, the building of 9,000 uh, new social houses, uh, about 4,000 affordable homes in terms of affordable purchase and cost rental. Uh, and of course, it's going to support another 14,000 people uh, who can't afford to pay their own rent and need the state to intervene to support under HAP tenancies. Um, that'll mean that there'll be 66,000 people uh, who will have their tenancies supported uh, by the state. Yeah, that's fair enough, but not everybody's on a HAP payment. A lot of everybody who's struggling to pay their rent, 1,300, 1,400 on Leaside, are getting a HAP payment. There's nothing for them. Well, that's true. But I mean, um, we are um, we are, of course, supporting families more generally uh, in a whole range of areas, um, whether it's healthcare, whether it's the cost of education, whether it's for young people, the cost of public transport, um, uh, whether it's in the disability sector. You know, so there are um, there are a lot of family supports here. Um, for uh, whether it's childcare, whether it's back to school clothing allowance, whether it's fuel allowance, um, uh, whether it's the costs of medicines, but that, you know, um, and, and you know this is this is about trying to. I mean, and, and it's true to say, I mean, every sector will want more, but the job of government is to try to be as fair as we can be to spread the um, the uh, the money that's available uh, in the appropriate way to make sure that we have fairness and to make sure that we manage the public finances in a responsible way. But I mean, do you accept that all of those little bits and pieces get completely wiped out pretty much overnight by the increasing cost of, of petrol and diesel and home heating oil and electricity? That's all gone and then some straight away. Well, it's not actually. Um, you know, if you look at the um, you know the, the independent model that actually looks at this, which is uh, the ESRI switch model, they will say that the, you know, the increases uh, that are being made, particularly around social welfare and pensions and so on, um, uh, uh, are responding uh, to, uh, to the increases in cost of living. But, I, but look, of course there are people 
uh, uh, who will see... Uh, no, I, I mean, I, I do, I'm not second-guessing the ERSI, but I do know that inflation is back to um, the, the, the rate in, in 2008, and that means that food's going to cost more as well, and the transporting of food and products like that. So I don't know how... I mean, you, you, yeah, say, why, you say people you know, are ahead, why, but I, I mean... I, I mean, can't the main see. driver here, Neil, the main driver here is to get people back to work, to make sure people have decent wages. Uh, you know, part of this package is to increase the minimum wage and to get almost 200,000 extra people back to work over the next 12 months, you know, um, many of whom have lost their jobs because of COVID restrictions and so on. Um, so, you know, the government has to balance a whole load of things here. First of all, we're borrowing to spend. That's true. But we have to make sure we're doing that in a sustainable way so that we don't go back to where we were 15 years ago when the country was bust. We're not going to allow that. Okay. Okay. So we can't spend money that that doesn't make sense to borrow. You can't match the living wage, can you, in the sense that you don't pay it, it's the employer pays it. Uh, You've instructed employers to put it up, is that right, by 30 cent to 10.50, while the living wage is 12.30. Well, look, I mean, we're moving in that direction all the time. So the the minimum wage will increase now to 10.50 an hour. That, That is, by the way, the second highest in Europe after Luxembourg. Um, so, um, so, you know, we are, um, in a strong position, I think, when you compare to other European countries, um, this of course will put some employers under pressure, but it's the right thing to do. We have to make sure, um, that, that everybody has a decent wage and that we have progression, uh, in, in the context of people being able to aspire to increasing wages each year as the cost of living goes up. And that's why, you know, we are. Um, responding in terms of continuing to increase the minimum wage. And I think since I've been in government, this is about the sixth time that there's been an increase in the minimum wage, maybe even more than that. But if if the living wage is 12.30, doesn't that mean that anybody below 12.30 is living in poverty? Well, I mean... Struggling at least? Well, I mean, that depends who sets the, the living wage. You know, I, I, I think you're, you know, you're referring to a, a, a political estimate there. But I mean, the... Um, uh, what we are trying to do is get the balance right here between ensuring that people can get back to work, that employers can afford to take people on, particularly employers who've been under huge pressure, and at the same time to make sure that people get a decent wage and a reward for the work that they do. And we're seeing that minimum wage consistently increasing year after year. And as I say, you know, I think the only fair way to benchmark this is to look at what, what other similar countries to Ireland are doing on the minimum wage. And as I say, Luxembourg is the only country in the European Union that has a higher minimum wage than Ireland. Okay, could I just give you a typical example of a typical listener to this programme? And you, these are the stories that you will want to know about, really, because they're real-world stories. Uh, is it just me, or is this budget an obvious attempt by the government to win over the youth vote for Sinn Féin, um, that Sinn Féin have clearly won? 50% off all transport for under-25s, free contraceptives for under-25s. Can you ask them what's in it for the middle-income working parent with kids, parents with kids? We're struggling to pay childcare costs, struggling to pay high mortgages, sick to death of being worked to the bone, giving over 52% of our wages to tax in USE. I've done the maths. If I quit Quit work, get rid of childcare and go on the dole. I'd be financially in the same boat and rearing my own children. What's the point? That's a frazzled working well, mum, for instance. Yeah, no, I, I, and I, I hear that. Um, I, I mean, first of all, just to say, you know, what we're spending on young people uh, needs to be spent. You know, we, we are, we're trying to make uh, it affordable to go to college. Uh, we're increasing the maintenance va- uh, grant, the Susie maintenance grant, by uh, by two hundred euros. euros. Yeah. We're increasing the, um, uh, uh, the the income threshold to allow more students to qualify. 
um, where um, you know we're changing the um, uh, the distance that um, that allows you to, uh, to qualify for the higher grant from 45 kilometres from college to 30 kilometres for college. In other words, a lot more students will get more support than before, and, and I think that's needed. Uh, and of course, we're adding a lot of extra places as well to third level. You know. 7,600 further education training I know, but when you talk about, I understand that, but when you talk about, when you talk about students, for instance, um, you you know that they have food parcels now and a food bank for starving, hungry students in in UCC. Also, they're paying 450 euro on average on Leaside now for a bedroom in a house, students. Um, Like that, that's, that's, that's the real world. You know, that's, that's what people... Which is why we're spending a lot of money on further and higher education, which is why we're spending an enormous amount of money on student accommodation and will continue to do that to try to improve but you didn't put any manners on landlords though well i mean well we have done actually there's been five different pieces of legislation in the last 12 months to protect renters uh, we've introduced uh, effectively a cap on rents linked to inflation which is index linked um like that has never been the case in ireland before um, so, so, so we are responding um, and limiting what um, what landlords can do in terms of, of rental increases. But the real problem in the housing market, which you'll know and you'll hear all the time, and certainly I do, is that we have a huge problem in terms of uh, demand outstripping supply, which is driving up both the price of buying a house, the price of renting a house, and access to social housing. But why then wouldn't you put in a vacant property tax where people are literally sitting on empty houses and get them to use it or lose it or take or find them for it? Well, we do have a vacant sites tax. No, I'm not talking about it. I know about sites. I saw that in the budget and, and that's commendable. But actual houses that are just sitting all over the country. Homes. Yeah, well, we are... Yeah, we are looking at that. That's not as straightforward as you might think in terms of people's property rights uh, and so on. Um, and, um, you know, what are uh, second houses that people live in for parts of the year? But, but that is something that is under active consideration and has been for a while. Um, we, we do have to get properties that are not in use back into use. And we have to incentivize people using carrots and sticks. To, to ensure that our housing stock is used as it should be, absolutely. And, and do you and, do you think uh, that the free can GP? I just say though, yeah. the, the, the person who um, who called in there, who's you know trying to run a family, you know has a has a medium income, um, is under pressure in terms of childcare costs. You know, absolutely, that is the kind of family that we're trying to reach out to with this budget. That's why we are e- expanding the tax bans, which will take almost forty thousand people out of paying at the higher rate of tax. Uh, because we believe that people who are working hard, who are on low to middle incomes in particular, or average incomes, uh, need to get a break in the tax system, as well as uh, supports uh, in terms of social welfare. But does that 1,500 so, uh, yeah, euro change in the, st- in the standard band, does that mean 1,500 euro more in a family's pocket every year? No, it doesn't. Right. Um, but what it does is it, 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 it changes from 35,300 to 36,800 the actual, the income level when you hit the higher rate of tax. In other words, uh, um, you can earn a bit more money without having to pay the higher rate of tax, which matters to a lot of people. And, and as I say, it means uh, about just under 40,000 people will be taken out of paying at the higher rate of tax. Uh, this core group of middle income earners who were trying to help to make sure that, that work actually pays that, that when you're working hard to try to provide for your family, you're paying less tax. Uh, and that is 
that's the thinking behind that. And actually from now on, and this has been a real Fine Gael mantra in terms of the, uh, the preparation for the budget, uh, we want to try to index links, index link tax bans. In other words, every year as the cost of living increases, we would have a slight change to the tax bans to recognise that, to make sure that your te- the value of your take-home income has the same spending power or more as it would have had the year before responding to the increases in the cost of living. And I think that's a really important thing to do, as well as spending more money on welfare um, and on, um, you know, half payments and so on. And health care. It seems that um, no matter what amount of money is thrown at health, you know, all year after year after year, budget after budget, it fixes nothing. All of the money that's been pumped in. Again, we have these horror stories out of A&Es. We have 100,000 children waiting yeah. on a pop- hospital appointments. I mean, and that's just children alone. It makes no difference. When is it well, going to be tackled properly from the, uh, from well, the top down? Well, can I, say, can I say that our health care system is under pressure and many people working in it are under a lot of pressure as well. And they have responded heroically over the last eight months in the context of covid but actually, if you look at, at, at how our health system did respond to an international pandemic, which has been incredibly tragic. Ah, but you whistle, look, you roll out COVID, and I appreciate what you're no, saying, no, and no, it is okay, true, but, but park COVID but and look at the health... And the health system yeah. has done a phenomenal job in response to COVID. Um, and I think it is an example of what we can do when we're focused, when we spend more money, and when, when staff... Uh, uh, are given the resources and supports that they need, which is now what we have to do in terms of tackling waiting lists, which is now uh, also why um, we are committing to an additional 14,000 staff for next year across uh, across multiple different sectors, because that's exactly what we need. We're spending money on extending free GP care for children aged six and seven. Yeah, but, again, but Simon, uh, people, are, people are saying that's fine in theory, but in practice, it's impossible to get a GP. Well... I'm not sure that uh, there are some parts of the country where where we have a shortage of GPs, other parts of the country where we don't. I think uh, free GP care for um, for children under five has been a great success. I, you ask parents whether they'd give that away now and you'll get your answer. And we want to extend that now to age six and age seven and ultimately get up to to under the age of 12. But isn't that isn't that date passed? Isn't that date passed that Fine Gael said that they'd have free GP care for under 12s? That that date has passed and that promise is is out of date. And and we didn't we didn't get there in time uh, in in the timeline that we had set. And is that was whose fault is that? Covid again, is it? No, it wasn't. It's because we didn't have um, the agreement of GPs because of the pressure that they were under. We are now moving uh, more slowly, but still making significant progress in uh, uh, in that area, uh, which is, of course, costing money. But I think is money well spent to support the kind of families that you're hearing from today that need help in terms of the cost of living, the cost of looking after their children, whether that's healthcare provision, whether it's disability supports, uh, whether it's childcare support, it, it, whether it's back to school allowance. All of these things, like we can't change the world overnight, but we can spend money wisely. And that's what we're trying to do in in this budget in a way that is affordable and makes sense. We're going to spend 22.2 billion euros on healthcare next year. I can remember a time when when I was in government, um, whatever it was, uh, 10 or 11 years ago, when we were spending less than 14 billion. So we're seeing significant increases in investment, significant increases in staff numbers. And yes, no, I know, I mean, I hate to be the doomsayer, but no improvement whatsoever going from 14 billion to double it. None. 
I mean, just well, none. Sorry, there are there are significant improvements in certain areas. Cancer care, for example, has improved dramatically. But we've also seen a significant population growth and we're seeing people living an awful lot longer. And that is putting more and more pressure on our healthcare system. We need to respond to that with more resources. We need to make sure we get good value for money. I know that, there's, that there are significant pressure points in CUH and the Mercy and in other healthcare centres and hospitals in Cork. We are looking at investing in that to make sure we have more staff, more beds, better management, efficient systems heard all to make that sure before. that patient care is improving. I heard and all that there, before. But, but, but you'll, hear it, you'll hear it every year, uh, Neil, because we have to keep investing every year to keep pace with the demands uh, of an increasing population and people who are living older and new diseases uh, that we have to respond to, never mind the pandemic that we've had to respond to over the last 18 months. Just on the point of childcare, I know we touched on it, but what exactly is in this budget to help families who are crippled by childcare? As Pierce Doherty called it, uh, the rates of it and the state of it in Ireland is the worst in Europe. I think they actually want it uh, to be taken over and run by the state, not by the private sector. I mean, like, there's a credibility issue here because, you know, Pierce Doherty last night was talking about spending less on childcare that we're proposing to spend, yet they're proposing to take over the whole thing and pay the salaries of everyone working in the childcare sector. Like those, those numbers just don't add up. So if you're going to promise something, you know, get your numbers right. But at least Sinn Féin are acknowledging that it is an issue that the government of the Ireland needs to tackle our children yeah, and is. the cost of childcare, which for, two, for a family with two children on side, that could be 1,500, a month. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I, I know all about the cost of childcare, as do many other parents. And I'm lucky enough to have a salary that allowed me to be able to support my children through childcare. And many other people are under a lot more pressure than that. And I get that. That's why we're, we're spending the most the country has ever spent on childcare this year. I think it's about 750 million euros. Uh, on childcare, does it bring there, down the cost of child? Does it bring down the cost of childcare into a family's yeah. pocket? It will over time. But what we have done in this budget is we have got a commitment from all childcare operators that they will not increase their fees going into next year. Uh, and in return for that, we are investing heavily in supporting uh, people working in this sector to make sure that they're getting decent salaries and they have decent working conditions. That's been a huge problem in childcare, and as a result. Uh, many childcare operators simply haven't been able to get staff uh, to do uh, uh, the work that's needed to be able to provide childcare supports for families. There are, I think there will be modest um, um, financial supports for the actual cost for parents. Um, Roger Gorman will announce the details of that, I expect, today. Um, but but uh, the focus is on two things here. First of all, making sure that we have a work environment that attracts people to work in childcare. And that has been a huge problem in recent years, and we're investing heavily to correct it. Secondly, in return for that... Oh, well, how, how, are you, how, are you, how are you trying to correct that, that trying to get people to work in childcare if they're being paid uh, €10.50 Euro 50 an hour? Well, they're going to be paid more. That's part of the uh, improved working conditions. By, by September of next year, we will have a sectoral agreement effectively within the childcare sector around working conditions and pay. Um, and, um, you know, I anticipate that um, the pay and conditions uh, will improve in this sector and we will attract an awful lot more people who want to work in the childcare sector but for the last number of years haven't been able to afford to do it uh, because of the conditions and the pay that are available. We need to correct that and improve it Um, and in return for that the sector is committing not to increase fees for childcare for parents 
And of course, we're going to continue to invest in the existing supports, which, by the way, are supporting tens of thousands of families across the country and they will be expanded. Okay. well, you know, Sinn Féin said yesterday that the government is out of touch, out of ideas and out of time. And they've asked you to move aside. It would seem from the latest opinions, poll that if there were an election in the morning, you would be moving aside with Sinn Féin at 32 uh, Fine Gael at 22 and Fianna Fáil at 20. Mary Lou's satisfaction is higher than both Michal Martin and Leo Varadkar. I mentioned earlier on is this uh, budget with regards to the free contraceptives and 50% off college students bus and train or whatever is that trying to attract the youth vote away from Sinn Féin? No, it's, it's about trying to do what's right. You know, we don't we don't uh, run a government on the basis of what the main opposition party. Yeah, but you have advisors and spin doctors and people yeah. who tell you how to navigate the route. Like, yeah. surely, yeah. Look, look, I mean, this government is going to be around for some time. This is our second budget. Uh, uh, it's a budget that's spending 4.7 billion euros extra of, of public money to try to respond to a lot of needs that's out there. Um, it's not a perfect budget, but I think it is. Uh, it is one that will support many sectors. It'll help an awful lot of businesses get back up on their feet. It'll continue to support businesses that, that continue to struggle post-COVID. Um, the the EWIS scheme, which has been a huge success, is going to be extended for another six months. And, and we're committing 1.4 billion euros. That's to do fantastic. That. And, and for people on welfare, yeah, that's great. Is. And so, the Christmas bonus. But for the people who are yeah. getting up in the morning, going out working, who haven't got an EWSS, they're employees, not employers. They're not landlords. They just yeah, have no, families and they're struggling. Yeah, and many of those people have kept their jobs because of that EWIS scheme, where the state effectively helps employers to pay the cost of people's wages because those businesses have not been sustainable through COVID restrictions. And that is the kind of commitment that this government is making to rebuild an economy, to make sure people get decent wages, to make sure that people can get a decent job. That's ultimately how... Uh, how people will be able to, most people will be able to afford to pay everything, whether it's to purchase an affordable home uh, uh, or indeed to um, uh, support their families. Uh, And so the the core of this budget is about ensuring that we have proper economic recovery, that we get unemployment back down to 6 or 7% next year again and continuing to fall, that we have decent wages um, and that we support people who are on lower incomes in terms of the cost of living increases that are there. And on top of all of that, that we continue a journey towards a much more sustainable way of living um, uh, that takes into account the, the obligations we have around climate uh, and emissions uh, and so on. You know, all of these things need to be taken into account. Of course, the opposition parties will point to individual elements of the budget and say the government should have done more there. And they will try to ensure that they... Yeah you know, that they stoke up tension and anger around certain things. That's, that's what opposition... Well, they're not do. really. People are angry. I mean, I see no difference in childcare apart from freezing the cost of it. Uh, I, I see no difference in anybody's take-home pay, really, of any significance. Um, and and I, I really look at it and say, well, what's in it for the average family in Ireland? Um, you know, and whatever little bits were there are wiped out by energy cost increases. I mean, what's the cost, what's the cost of a litre of petrol, do you know? Well, I mean, it's it's going to go up by about um, by by about a euro fifty uh, to fill up your car. Um, yeah, but per liter, uh, do you know? Because you probably don't fill your own car, do you? I do fill my own car. I thought, it's, uh, I thought the it driver depends, does it. No, it depends where you get it. Uh, it's about it's about one hundred and fifty one cents per liter in terms of diesel, and and a little bit less for petrol. And depending on where you get it, it can go up to one hundred and sixty in some places. Um, it's a hundred. Um, it's one euro sixty six a liter. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah, exactly. Which is well, it's actually not one euro sixty six. You go to Carrigaline and you'll probably get it for one euro sixty. Well, I'm hardly going to drive from Douglas to Carrigaline now. No, this. no, but I'm just saying. You said I don't fill up my own car. I very much do, um, and uh, and I'm more than familiar with that. And there's going to be a modest increase because of our decision, which was which is a a ten year commitment in relation to carbon tax to over time. Uh, try to ensure that people are incentivized to move away from carbon-based fuels uh, to use more sustainable modes of transport. So and why then, the why then get rid of the VO, why get rid of the the relief for the battery, another five grand? Why get rid of that in 2023? Like, that's no, not no, very forward-thinking, is it? No, no, we why? just extended it until 2023. We haven't made a decision as to what we'll do after that. We've given two years of certainty around the €5,000 grant for people to purchase electric vehicles um, at more affordable rates. Uh, we do expect that over time, as we move, it, move into the mid-2020s, electric vehicles are going to become cheaper anyway uh, because they're going to be mass-produced um, um, and ultimately will, will take the place of combustion engines over time. But in the meantime, we need to uh, significantly incentivise uh, making them more affordable because they are too expensive for most families. And They're not the practical though. Like for, a, for somebody who votes Fine Gael down in Adrigal or down below in Lep or down way down, for instance, in the, the Bearer Peninsula, should, they couldn't get into an electric car. Should they be living on their nerves, wouldn't they? Well, look, I mean, that depends on what electric car you're talking about. Actually, there are some electric cars that have three or four hundred uh, kilometres of uh, range now. Yeah, 50 uh, grand though. That have more. No. No, actually, that's not true. Like, I'm not going to start naming names. Actually, electric cars is something I'm kind of into. But I, but I mean, but there are, uh, as we move uh, uh, over time, you will see the range of electric cars increasing and increasing and okay. increasing. Okay. And uh, could I ask you, are ministerial cars electric? Are ministerial cars electric cars? Um, some of them are hybrids, um, um, okay. but uh, but because of the the mileage that they do, um, I, actually, I think. Uh, I suspect Eamon Ryan probably does drive a, an electric car um, uh, or gets driven an electric car. But but for most for most of the ministers that that face a lot of mileage, like me, um, not we, practical. Uh, it, it, uh, at the moment, it's not practical, but you can certainly drive hybrids, absolutely. Okay, okay, listen, uh, I've covered that. I know that you need to move on, but just one or two other points, and I just want to uh, touch on yeah. the Northern Ireland commemorations because it would seem to me, looking on, that your visit to the North to commemorate the 100th anniversary of uh, the division of the island is a mistake. People seem to be very angry about it. Have you been pushed under a, a bus? Have you, so, so, wh- so let's wh- just, have you let's been pushed under a bus on this? Have you been the, are you the one that's been rolled out? Well, well, sorry, I've been asked by the government to go because I'm the line minister. But can I just be clear on what this is and what this isn't? This is not a commemoration and it's not a celebration of, of partition. It's neither of those things. This is a reflection on the last hundred years and the hurt and the division that's caused. And that was made very clear to me in the invitation to, uh, to me to go. Um, what this is, is people with very different perspectives on history being willing to stand in the same church to reflect on on what has happened on this island over the last Does the date years. mark the division, and, though? Or the, does and, the date mark the signing forward. of the treaty? No, it's a question I'd like to know. No, no I don't think so. Um, this, was, this, is, this is an event that, that the four Christian churches on the island have been trying to, to organise for many months now uh, in a way that takes politics out of it, in a way that, that can encourage people like me who have you know, a perspective on partition which is, which is very different to many unionists in Northern Ireland, um, but 
um, but to allow us to to stand together, to focus on the hurt and division and discrimination and pain um, uh, that has flown from that partition and to focus, I hope, on something much more positive in the future. That's what this event is about. Mm, yeah. that is why Michael D. Higgins didn't see it that way, though, did he? Sorry, Michael, no, but Michael D. Higgins is a head of state. He has different considerations uh, to, um, to the government. We have to work on a day-to-day b- uh, basis uh, in the context of politics in Northern Ireland. Uh, we are uh, the government that is trying to bring forward this concept of a shared island where people can work together despite their differences to improve quality of life and so on. Uh, and I think it's in that spirit that I've agreed to go on behalf of the government, along with Jack Chambers, the Fine, Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil representative there. Uh, and I think when, when people see what this event is, there's no politician speaking at it. This is, this is the church on the island, north and south, trying to come together to actually focus on ensuring that the future is better than the past. That's what this is about. And I think we should participate in it. And I suspect, actually, that Sinn Féin will be the only party on this island not represented there. Because they are dead against partition and part of their uh, policy no. for government and the no, policy of the party is a 32-county no, Ireland. They'll have nothing to I'm do not with a, anything. I'm not, in, I'm not in favour of partition, but I'm in, fav- in favour of reconciliation and I'm in favour of trying to understand different perspectives on this island. And I think we all have an obligation to do that, to work for a better future, as opposed to reinforcing divisions and polarisation in Northern Ireland. Okay. Uh, do you know you're talking about, about the future? Just a quick look at the past. Did the whole Zapone, Catherine Zapone Gate issue with the Marion and the cronyism that you were accused of, uh, did that hurt you politically? Somebody said to me within Fine Gael that you were of no use to no man for weeks after it. <laughs> well, I mean, look, uh, nobody likes emotion, no confidence being put down in them. Uh, you know, even if they don't think that it's, it's, it's a legitimate cause for that. You know, this was, this was something that I made, you know, mistakes on. Um, I should have communicated what happened earlier and better in the month of August. And I think I could have dealt with this thing uh, comprehensively much, much sooner. I didn't do that. I allowed this, uh, that issue to grow into a big political controversy, which, of course, opposition parties took advantage of. Uh, and yeah, I've been in politics for 23 years. I've never got myself into a controversy like that before, where, where people were questioning um, what I was saying uh, uh, on my integrity. And yes, that did hurt. Um, and I've learned some lessons from that. What lesson did of, you learn? Not to be given jobs to buddies, is it? No, no. Uh, and, you know, the, Why didn't you like, learn that lesson? That's an important it, lesson, isn't it? No, sorry. First of all, I wasn't giving a job to a buddy. Like, uh, and so, you know, Neil, you know, if you want to make those kind of accusations, well, what? then, you know, look at what actually happened. This was, this was a role that was recommended to me by my department after we agreed to look at it. Um, uh, the role of a special envoy is something that many, many governments use across the world all the time. We have two special envoys. Oh, I know, I know that, but who, who else was in the running or was it I, advertised or was there no, a shortlist? No, but that's not how special envoys work. What happens is if you have a specific job to do for a temporary period of time, it is perfectly normal for, for governments to effectively headhunt somebody who they think would be suitable to do the job. That's what I did. I didn't communicate that as well as I should have. Yeah. And I should have explained that a lot clearer and a lot earlier instead of allowing this to grow into something uh, that became a political controversy in Leinster House. Okay. Uh, I regret that. Um, and, you know, as I say, I've learned some lessons from it. Okay, one, one final point. Big topic conversation yesterday on the air was this no jab, no job. It's a question I've also put to Micheál Martin uh, that health workers who refuse to get vaccinated uh, would be out of a job. Uh, what, side of the, what side of the argument are you on on this one? No jab, no job. 
Well, I think we need to do everything we can to ensure that people who are working in, in the healthcare sector, who are working with vulnerable patients and so on, are not any threat to those patients in the context of potentially carrying, carrying you know, an infection or a disease um, or a virus like COVID. Um, and so I hope that people who are working, and look, the vast majority of people who are working in, in healthcare are vaccinated and they understand the science and the importance of that. And I think we need to, uh, to trust our healthcare workers, but also um, you know, ensure that, that everybody is aware of their responsibilities. You know, I don't believe that, we sh- that people should be losing their jobs um, uh, because they refuse to be vaccinated. But I do think um, that um, within the workplace, we need to be talking to people who, for whatever reason, have not been vaccinated to try and change their mind on that. Um, like ultimately, um, you know, we do need to recognise the extraordinary role of our healthcare workers over the last 18 months, given the pressure that they've been under um, and the importance now of vaccination. Like when you look at the numbers of people who are in hospital um, uh, and the percentage of that number that haven't been vaccinated. And are in ICU uh, on vaccine. I, I know that, but I'm just on... You know, like, with regards to a civil liberties issue here now or people's freedom... Uh, of choice uh, to say you've got to stick a needle in your arm if you want to go to work. Uh, that's a big ask, isn't it? But that's not what the government is saying at the moment. But what the government is doing is trying to do everything we can to persuade and encourage the very small minority of adults who haven't been vaccinated yet outside of the healthcare setting and in it, by the way, because you know, 92 or 93 percent of adults are now vaccinated. So we're only talking about 7 percent of the population. But unfortunately, that 7% of the population dominates the, the, the people who are at risk of being in ICU and potentially losing their lives because of COVID. And so we need to continue to encourage that portion of the population to get vaccinated. But in particular, if you're working in healthcare, um, vaccination not only protects you, but it protects the people you're working okay. with. Yourself. It's encouragement, carrot rather than stick. I get it. Okay. Simon, thanks I so much so. for taking the call. Have a good day. Appreciate you taking the opportunity this morning to thanks chat with us. Cheers, Simon Coveney, Minister for Foreign Affairs. You can text 086 8104 on that one. Pick up the phone on 1-850-104-106. A lot more to come this morning, including the Taoiseach, Micheál Martin, and indeed uh, Piers Doherty from Sinn Féin. Back after the break. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 1851-04-106. Red FM. Siobhan says, just wondering um, why uh, young people between the ages of 19 and 23 will now get a 50% travel reduction on their fares as per the budget announced yesterday. And uh, also we heard of uh, free contraception. Um, my question is, what about young people aged between 16 and 19? They currently are only allowed lower price fares if they're students, and that's nowhere near 50%. A child fare is only for children up to the age of 16, says Siobhan. Why hone in on the 19 to 23s only? Well, uh, you know, I, 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 could, I could answer that by saying 19 to 23-year-olds vote. Um, and many 19 to 23 year olds are suggesting it would appear that they were that they are going to vote Sinn Féin. That could be a reason. Maybe that's just the cynic in me. Uh, 15 and 16 year olds in primary and secondary school don't vote. Uh, 1165 new SNAs announced yet hundreds will lose their permanent position in June. Many parents out there would be delighted to hear the news yesterday in the hopes that child might get help they deserve. But it's not true. Those positions will never come true. Another one, this country's a joke and so are the people in it. If this was France, they would shut the country down. We're paying back now 
for the COVID payments that all the workers got and the majority of them deserve, says Helen. Not technically correct, actually. We're borrowing money. We're borrowing more and more. Now, I know the rates are cheap, but like everything you borrow, it has to be paid back. Ask him about the about the 400,000 budgeted towards the greyhound industry. Meanwhile, a poor child can't get a sign language interpreter to assist him with his schooling. Uh, nothing for us as usual. Double income family, under 70 grand combined. Four kids, two with autism. No services at all since diagnosis. There's a real world story for you. We don't claim any allowances and all our kids are over the free GP age. All we are guaranteed is higher bid bills. That's about it, really. One or two more. Laura says, I don't understand when they say that they want to help Ireland financially and only raise the minimum wage by 30 cent. That's not a great minimum pay for anyone. No wonder people are on the dole. Um, uh, how can they justify giving themselves a huge pay rise plus bonuses and give pensioners a million five euro wiped out by energy costs? These ministers don't live in the real world and won't even notice a rise in their own utility bills, their own food prices, and a lot of it they can put down to expenses. As for the 30 cent on the minimum wage, what an insult. Cigarettes, petrol and diesel go up from midnight, but the five euro increase, not until the new year. Yeah, the bad is always immediate. The good is always delayed. The five euro budget, which people must wait until next year to get, well, the increases go on tonight. Uh, and when will they give themselves an increase? Straight away. Ex-politicians are getting large monthly pensions. Much more than ordinary people would ever get in a year, says Noel. And a final one for now. No extra secondary school places. They should be trying. They should try being a family carer sometimes. Absolutely shocking. Spending your whole day looking for services for your child. And they raise the means to 350 for a single person and 700 for a couple. Absolutely no help to anyone. No services, no help in this country from anyone. Shared special needs assistance. The list goes on, says Mary Teresa. There's that and lots more besides. You should be asking the ministers why add another two and a half cent to the price of a litre of diesel when it's gone up 15 cent in the last month. And a half already um, is just keep half of it already is just keeping the greens on side. Typical Fianna Gael and Fianna Fáil screwing the working class. Keep those texts coming. Text 0868104106. Lots more to do after 10. Hi, it's Connor. Join me Sunday from 7 for Green on Red, bringing you the biggest, the best, and newest names in Irish music. Get it off your chest. Text The Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. One thing I picked up, I picked up a lot of things from my conversation with Simon Coveney, but one of them is the fact that uh, if you want to get your le- your diesel or you want to get your unleaded, then you need to go to Carrigaline. Apparently it's cheaper down there than it is in the city. So there's that and lots more besides. Keep those texts coming. Text 868 104-106. Uh, the budget day yesterday, and budgets are like that, really. They always have been. Give with one hand, trying to please everybody, so you give little drips and bits and pieces to, to everybody and try and keep everybody happy. It doesn't always work that way, though. But after the budget details were announced yesterday, Seamus Wheelahan was out and about after the budget yesterday evening just to see what the uh, the public was mood was on it. Have a listen to this. <laughs> I smoke, I have a diesel car, I work full time, I have two kids in childcare, so it's not, I suppose if there'll be something taken off in the childcare, it could be a good thing. Cigarettes have gone up, minimum wage has gone up by 30 cents, is it? That's not going to make a whole lot of a difference really to me. I use coal, I have gas heating, <laughs> so everything that I'm using has basically gone up. What can we do, like? What? what, what? 
I'm just a normal person. What, what can I do about it? Do you know? It's not great. I probably would consider giving up the cigarettes, but I do every year when there's a budget, and I don't give them up. So that's my own. That's my voice. Um, I'd always want children to be very well looked after and eight seems quite young for them not to receive free care. I think I'd prefer it to, to be in um, for the whole of national school would seem fair. Pascal can only do so much with what he has and um, nothing seems extraordinarily different but uh, a small amount for a family makes a big difference. I notice in the budget that there's not one reference to the amount of pay rise that the TD's got and that it's not linked to anything and they have managed to get uh, hide behind the regulations that say they're entitled to pay rise. They could also refuse to take the pay rise. When you add on the VAT and you add on the increases, I think everybody will be poorer. And I think this is a sleight of hand budget where nobody will be better off. There's nothing in it for anyone. It seems to be giving one hand, taking another hand. That's why I'm going to fill up my car now. Why don't they just pay mothers a little bit more so they can afford to stay at home instead of having to go out and get a job, which ends up just paying for childcare anyway? Just change the childcare allowance or the children's allowance and give mothers an income for staying at home looking after their children, especially those people who would like to stay at home but have no choice but because they have mortgages or large bills to pay, they have to go out and work. And all they end up doing is paying a few bills and then paying for childcare as well and there's no extra money in the home. <laughs> no, it doesn't affect me at all, to be honest. But I mean, I, that fiver on the door for people, that's, a, that's an insult, I think anyway, <laughs> to be honest with you. <laughs> I think it could be that better for, 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 the, for, the, for the lower people down below. I do. I think there's too many people. Too many people. You look, you only need walk around Middleton there and you'll, you'll know that there are vulnerable people out there. And they should be doing a lot more for those. I really do think people that have no houses, no, nowhere to go. No lodgings, no nothing. Well, yeah. like they're they're planning on uh, yeah, but they're, out of houses between they're, now and twenty thirty. So how, how long are they planning? They'll tell us they're planning, they're planning, and they're going about twenty years out, and they keep pushing it. Next is the government changes, and then they come up with a new plan, a new government, and this goes on and on and on, and uh, it it just doesn't end, does it? It just doesn't do. I suppose we have to pay back some bits over the COVID as well. Like we're going to have to pay back something, I suppose. Like so, or we just have to grin and bear it. I suppose that's all we can do. And just I just see a lot of increases and increases and increases. Where are we getting all the money from? Hard to know where all that money is going to come from. Like especially when we're coming out of the pandemic. On the streets of Cork yesterday, just after the budget announcement, uh, rent, childcare, energy costs and housing. Time and time and time again. These are the stories that I hear from uh, the listeners and the people of Cork. Added to that, of course, is uh, constantly pumping money into health and it only seems to be getting worse. A couple of interesting texts here. The first thing I would do is tackle the housing emergency. I would force every developer, if I were Taoiseach, I would force every developer to sell one in three houses at a reduced rate to a first-time buyer. I would have people on that list and I would make banks, make banks, give 100% mortgages to people who have a five-year rental history. 
I would give that mortgage pro rata to what they've been paying with the repayment option up to 50 years with a buyout option. Uh, only one of these mortgages per person, however. So interesting thoughts there with regards to what somebody would do if they were Taoiseach. The help, to buy, help, to, help to buy should apply to older houses and not just new bills, Neil. Most people cannot afford new bills. This will also help get empty properties lived in again. Also, the minimum wage creeping up only pushes the slightly over the minimum wage closer to the minimum wage. It draws prices upwards and doesn't help anybody. The main people getting anything here are the people who make a living on social welfare. Yes, there are some genuine people needed, but I don't, and I don't blame people, um, you know, if they deserve it. But I do blame people who won't work because of it. HAP for rent, free houses, free home maintenance, free medical, fuel allowance, uh, no expenses related to getting to and from work, I see. They can spend time with, they can spend time with and care for their kids and have no childcare expenses while on the dole. The list of inequalities goes on and on, uh, says Lisa. Well, Sinn Féin have said if they got an opportunity, they would correct the inequalities and the uh, uh, and the fact that it's completely and utterly out of kilter, particularly with regards to rent, childcare. Don't know what they could do about energy costs. That's possibly a global thing, but they have big plans with regards to uh, to housing. I'm joined by uh, Sinn Féin's finance spokesperson, Pierce Doherty. Pierce, good morning. Good morning to you. First of all, I, I just want to ask you, as a, by the way, I, I sat down and was watching the budget yesterday on RTE. Uh, I saw Michael McGrath um, and then you were, he was directly followed by you. And I was very keen to hear what you had to say. And then RTE television cut you off. Were you aware of that? No, I, I wasn't aware of that. Obviously, I was on my feet, but I did see um, on social media uh, a large number of people, again, kind of calling out RTE for not allowing the the, the, the lead party of opposition. And indeed, uh, according to most recent opinion polls, the po- most popular party uh, uh, to, to hear the response to budget. And I think that's um, something that the national broadcaster needs to reflect on, uh, that people need hope, that people need to know that, you know, the housing system can be fixed. No, I... I- I know, I know, but do you you get a fair... Yeah, I mean, I didn't get to... I had to flick over to another channel to try and follow what you were saying, but do you get a fair crack of the whip from the national broadcaster, Sinn Féin? Look, look, we get lots of opportunities in relation to, you know, doing the media. We we were on radio stations and TV and different, uh, you know, one of the big things in budget day is up until recent times, the, the finance minister wouldn't actually debate me. Uh, so they, 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 they demanded a one-to-one and in fairness RT, uh, you know, we're, we're trying to get that debate going. So look, journalists do their job, the broadcaster does their job. And, but you know, the only thing I would say is I think there, there was a large number of people who would want to have seen, uh, you know, what, 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 what uh, we were saying. I, I thought think it sometimes was, it goes on to a different station or something. Uh, not, uh, not, 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 yeah, it goes to the news feed, but not everybody yeah. has that. I, I just thought it yeah. was bizarre actually that the lead spokesperson for the opposition would be cut off a third way into their speech. Will you be lodging a complaint finally? Look, it's not it's not something I've even thought about. I think it's it's happened like that in the last number of years and it's something that, you know, that RTE have to do. Look, we we we've raised issues with RTE in the past. There was a point there where they stopped actually even uh, covering our alternative budget and uh, you know, as a national broadcaster 
look, we all pay our television license uh, for informed information, and I think there is a, an obligation uh, to actually inform the public of what the main opposition party uh, would do, should do, and, and you know what could be done in, in, in a scenario of a budget. So, uh, as I said, it's not something I'm going to lose any sleep over. Okay. They're really decisions what for, you, for RT. What, what, you did, what you did say yesterday was that the government was out of touch, out of ideas, and out of time. And at the end of your speech, you, you didn't plead with them, but you asked them nicely to move aside and let you have a go. You know, with budgets, there's very little. You're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. It's it's just a little bit of something for everyone in the audience, isn't it? Well, that's not necessarily what it can be and not what it should be. It all depends on what your priorities are. So the government yesterday tried to spread a very wide net. They you know, they, as I said in my speech, you know, they've spent so much but achieved so little. And what we argued for, and we do this every single year, we present what we would do in terms of a budget. We give it to the government and we say, look, steal these ideas. We're happy for you to, to, to take these ideas. Um, some of them they actually took. Others they made a dog's dinner of it. And most of them they just completely What ignored. did they make a dog's dinner of? Are you, You're some talking like, about reducing like rents, is it? How in the name of God would you get landlords to reduce their rents? So, okay, well, renters, this is one where they just completely ignored. And and that's what I don't understand, because there's a number of serious challenges in the country. And those kind of three main areas that we focused in on, rents, uh, our healthcare system and childcare were ignored in terms of uh, how, how what should be done. So in terms of rent, Niall, you asked me, how, how do you do this? The first thing you do is you freeze rents for three years. We've they been did arguing that. This for, they did we've that. We've been arguing Right, so you freeze rent, don't allow any increase, and then the second thing you do is you bring in a tax credit. So in the 1980s, we had a tax credit in this state. It was actually brought in because of the pressure that older people felt during uh, in terms of uh, paying rent. It was only got rid of about four or five years ago. It was phased out completely. It was phased out over a number of years. So it was already done. It can be done again. The tax credit we would bring in would put one month rent back into renters' pocket. That's the equivalent of up to 1,500 euro. It would be capped at that level. So every Every renter in the state would get that money back into their pocket. They, 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 the landlord doesn't lose out here. It just means that he or she has to cap the rents at where it is because rents are just runaway train at this point in time. But alongside that, because that's only a short-term solution, you can continue to do that indefinitely. But alongside that, what we have argued for, as the ESRI has said, is double capital investment. That means putting another 1.8 billion euro into 1.6 billion euro into building houses, affordable and cost rental houses, so that the supply comes on the market that can actually push down. Just just on that, just on that tax credit. How, how would you give the tax credit to so many people who have to pay cash, whose landlords aren't registered with uh, uh, any agency? They're not registered as being, paying tax on it. In the College Road recently, we found that ninety percent of the landlords are cash merchants and they're not with the um, uh, the state agencies that look after that. Well, the RTB, so first the of RTB, all, all, correct, landlords yeah. to, all, all landlords have to be registered with the RTB. Anybody who's operating outside of that would be operating uh, not in compliance with the law and that should never be tolerated and, and needs to be dealt with. But remember, this is also, this means that landlords don't actually lose out in relation to this year. It's not that they're going to take cheaper rent. It's actually that the state are inter- in, intervening and subsidising uh, their rent by giving a month back to, to 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 the individual. So you know, based on the the numbers, there's close to three hundred thousand people that are registered tenancies that are registered 
with the RTB and they are the people who would benefit from from this uh, type of system. Obviously, if landlords are offered in the margin, then their tenants wouldn't wouldn't be benefiting from this there. And therefore, you know, as more as more uh, stock came on stream, as more places came on stream, obviously tenants are going to go to places where they can get the money. Okay. Rent back there's the there's no point talking about delivering more homes because it's very similar both policies, both the government and yours. You're talking about delivering twenty thousand a year. They're talking about a little more than that. So there's no real difference no, in that no, regard no, at all. No, no, there's a huge difference, Niall. Just and let me take this. So what we're talking, what the government talk about is like all houses, private sector, and the, and the whole lot. We're talking about what the state needs to deliver itself. Uh, so what the government are planning to do next year is deliver in the region of just over eleven hundred, about eleven and a half, sorry, eleven and a half thousand uh, state delivered houses. We're saying that needs to be up at twenty thousand because that is the type of scale that we need to deal with the crisis that's there. Whether you're a young person who's looking to buy a first home, whether you're somebody who's renting that is fleeced out of the rent as we discussed, or whether there's somebody whether you're a student now, you know, people from my constituency are travelling down to Cork, or indeed people from Cork who are going from you know. Couch to couch to couch. Others, you know, staying in hotels and being been because there's no accommodation there for them. So what the state has to do is they have to ramp it up significantly, double the number of uh, social, affordable, and cost rental homes that can be built. And that's the biggest, biggest difference that we have from this government and ourselves. We've warned this government for years now. For years, and they've kept on saying that this was a housing budget and all the rest for, for a number of years. We've warned them that depending on the private market will not work. There obviously has to be private uh, development. We welcome that. We need to encourage that more. That's through you know big rods in terms of taxes where land hoardings can, you know is, is they, t- they tackle the land hoarding, but they didn't tackle tackle anything regarding a vacant property tax. Is that your own agenda? People who have properties that are locked up and are just sitting on them, watching the value rise, but not renting or selling them. Yeah, we've been calling for a vacant property tax now for the last five years. Uh, we've been saying that the Department of Housing, the Department of uh, Finance and the CSO need to come together uh, and design that within three months and implement it. It's not even on the government's agenda, as you know, that it wasn't announced. But worse than that, Niall, you know, they came out with this kind of new flashy uh, policy that we're all supposed to be thinking, oh, geez, these are great now. You know, they're going to get these uh, land hoarders to, to release their land. And then we find out that they're not going to implement it for two to three years. The second thing is they're going to introduce it at a rate of 3%, which means if land value is increasing more than 3%, which it is, then uh, it, it, there's no incentive for you actually to sell the house because, or sell the land or develop the land. And then the third thing is, the actual plot of land, say in the centre of Cork at this point in time, has a 7% levy applied to it. Now, it's really inefficient. It's not working. It should be fixed. We've said it should be transferred to the revenue, but it's got a 7% levy. What Fiona Fell, Michael Martin, you know, Michael McGrath and others campaigned for before the general election is that they were going to ramp that up to 14%, but what they announced yesterday is they're reducing it to 3%. Mm, okay. It makes no sense whatsoever. And it fails, you know, when I said this is a government that's out of touch, they're clearly out of touch because they just ignored the major issues that, you know, you, you led this interview by saying what, what, what your callers are calling in about, you know, rents, childcare, cost of living. They've ignored those issues. But the fact that they are... They child, just, it's just not on, just that they're out of touch, they're out of ideas. But child, on, on childcare, you came up with a bizarre suggestion that childcare should be taken out of the hands of the private sector industry and run by the state. Now, Simon Coveney just dismissed that this morning. He didn't say nonsense, but he says it's certainly not achievable. 
How could well, you we're do- not we're not planning that. Just to, just to be clear, we're not planning that. We're planning an opt-in system where private operators will still continue to operate it, will still continue to make a margin of profit. But as a result of opting in, the two things will happen. The state will make an investment directly into the childcare service, uh, which will, over a two-year period, pay for the wage bill of the of of the staff in there in in the, in the service. And in response of that, because we are taking on that cost of the private operator, the private operator agrees to reduce fees accordingly. And with the type of investment we're talking about over a two-year period, then fees would reduce by two-thirds. So the state would would run the payroll for private creches on the basis that the creches reduce fees. By how much would they reduce fees? 70% 70 of the cost of the childcare services is in relation to the wage uh, the wage bill of the of the state, so that's about two thirds. Basically, so are you are you saying to me then that if you were in government, that the cost of childcare would drop drop by two thirds to a family because you, the government, the taxpayer ultimately would be paying the wages of the staff, not paying the wages of the staff, but also paying a portion of the operational costs in relation to the operator. So you would have a win for the operator which means that they have a secure operation that they're not worried about going under the next year or whatever, depending on fees or the number of people that are coming in. You would, you would have parents who would still pay fees, but only at a reduced level of two thirds. And this would also be a win for the staff because as part of this, you would bring the staff up immediately. Ash, surely that's an election promise that you would then thereafter break. Sure, no, we don't do we don't do that now. This is the, see the, the difference, and what we're seeing now in Irish politics is you have a very clear alternative. And you know, not only are we not you know we want to be in government to deliver that, but we also, from the opposition benches, want to influence government in moving that direction. So there's one thing, for example, that we welcome in relation to what the government did yesterday in terms of childcare. They have made an investment now, finally, and it took the childcare workers to take to the streets. We marched them shoulder to shoulder two years ago in doing that to actually get those wages ramped up. And that is one part of it that's welcome. The part which is completely not welcome is that the government have now locked in these types of fees without any reduction. And that's ridiculous. Like but how can you force the private family. sector to reduce you can't, their prices? You can't, Niall. You can't, you can't force the private sector to reduce. And it's an opt-in scheme. So if an operator wants to opt into this scheme, in response to that, over a two-year period, the state will pay the operator the wage bill off the, the, the service. But in response for that, there is an agreement that the fees reduce annually as a result of that by a third in the first year, by a third in the second year, at a no cost to the operator because we take on that cost as a state. This is across Europe now. We have a... So now other taxpayers who are crippled as it is and pinned to their collar will have to pay taxes to pay for other people's children to be minded. Now, look, this across Europe, as I was saying, is childcare uh, is affordable. We have the highest rates of childcare in the developed world. But why do we have that? It's because the level of investment in childcare in Ireland is the lowest in the developed world. So this is normal right across society. This is normal everywhere. It is a result of policies that have been implemented by this government and successive governments that have resulted in, in us having the highest childcare fees. And that's not just an issue in terms of 
parents and the, and the burden they're on, but it's also an issue in terms of the economy. We need people to be able to, if people want to you know, stay home and, and raise their family and do that work, that's fine. But we should never be forcing a family into a situation where they have to sit down with a pen and paper and say, look, it is better off if I stay home because the cost of childcare, sending a child to, on average to, to childcare is, is 800 euro. God forbid if you have two under the age of three, you know, that, that just basically says to them, look, there is no point people- uh, in being in the workforce at this point in time. We need to change that. And that's what happens normally across Europe. And that's what can be done and what would be done if Sinn Féin were in government here. People have been saying that. I read a text earlier on from a mother of three, a frazzled working mum of three, who said, I'd be financially in the same boat if I quit my job. I'm quitting work and going on the dole. Why should I bother with struggling childcare costs, struggling to pay high mortgages and sick to death of being worked to the bone and giving 52% of our wages to tax and USC? Do you have a policy on universal social charge, which was supposed to be temporary? Is, yeah. is, is that something that you're promising to deal with? It, it is in a, in, in a part, and I'll mention that, but I just want to mention the other point there in terms of that mother. There are many young people now that are talking to me, and they're talking about how they're ever even going to start a family because they're looking at how they're never going to be able to afford a home. They've just given up on that idea. They're fleeced in terms of rents, particularly if they're living in the likes of Cork and Dublin. And then they're saying if they were to you know, start a family, how and under God could they afford the childcare fee. It means that one of them would have to give up work, which means they couldn't afford rent. And they're caught in a terrible vicious cycle. I, I know that. I just worry that you're pitching this super idea to young people to vote Sinn Féin, you know? No, I'm pitching this because this is the right thing to do. It's the right thing to do for families. It's the right thing to do in terms of lifting the cost. And it is what is happening, as I said, right across Europe, where, you know, a lot of people, the danger here for the government is that people look outside and see what's possible. And that's what Sinn Féin are trying to do. Sinn Féin are trying to say, it doesn't have to be this way. You've had Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael as a government in opposition for the last 100 years. Now you have a real alternative, alternatives that exist in other jurisdictions where there is different types of services, where, where healthcare is free in many European countries, where childcare isn't the cost of a second mortgage, but- or where we're not renting at the highest cost in Europe. Like, these are all not man, these are all not accidents of nature. These are a result of government policies. So as I said yesterday, budgets are a time where you decide to, to implement the change that people want or you decide to consolidate. They the say goal. they're getting yeah. there slowly. They've increased the free GP care to be extended from six to seven. Nine. And in the Nile, course of the I next year or two, that will get eight and nine and perhaps end at 12 at some stage. Niall, see on that point, right? And you can get your researchers to look at that. Look back at the budget speech of Michael Noonan in 2015. That's six years ago. Look at the press releases that were released at that time six years ago. They announced free GP care for under 12s that year, right? Free GP care for under 12s, not just the six-year-olds and the seven-year-olds. And we actually passed legislation in the doll to legislate for free GP care for under 12s. Now they want us to pat them on the back because they're going to extend it for the six-year-olds well, sure. and seven-year-olds. No, but that just tells us that we shouldn't believe any politician's promises, yours included, that when you get your bum on the seats in there and you're happy out in government, everything changes. Well, that is a big challenge for Sinn Féin. Because the, the reality is, and we've heard it in studios with Pat Rabbit and his famous quip about that's what people do in elections. Our job is to try and get into government to actually deliver the change, but to show people that there is an alternative, that when we say that this is what we'll do, then this is what we'll do. Yeah, but just deliver. on that, you'll tax the arse out of people because we have 
very high rates of tax already. We have the universal social charge. And Sinn Féin are proposing another 4% tax, a third one. No, first of yeah. all, anybody with, anybody with individual income above, uh, below €100,000 would not see an increase in the rate in their taxation under Sinn Féin. That's a clear commitment that we're giving people. The second thing is, when you talk about the solidarity tax, it's a, a rate of 3%, and it is above incomes above 140000 Now, Now, look, there are people there, and they've got commitments and, and all the rest, and they're earning above 140000 Just say they earned 150 for argument's sake. That means that they would pay €300 Euro additional tax. But collectively, that measure, along with tapering out the tax credits for those over 100,000, brings in over 400 million euro. For that amount of money, we can actually slash childcare costs by a third and provide one month's rent back into people's pockets uh, for the next year. That is something, that is the choices that you make. That's what governments are supposed to do. They're supposed to say, what is fair? What is right? How do we deal with the pressure? For that amount of money, that 300 a year, you can make radical changes to things that matter, you're saying. Okay. One of those radical changes could be USE. Is it your proposal to continue with this if you are elected into government? Well, our, our proposal, as we outlined in, in the manifesto, was to take those under the uh, under the threshold of thirty thousand euro out of the USC tax net, and we would do that over a period of government. But like people are pinned to their collar at forty grand, at fifty grand, at sixty grand, three kids and one person working. Like, why does it have to be thirty grand? Well, look, you, you're you saying know, that after thirty grand, all the world's problems go away. No, I'm not at all. And that's why I'm saying if you're a renter, we're going to put a month back into your pocket. If you're a family with kids, we're going to actually make sure that you're... So the month only comes, that's about 120 euro a month off your rent. So it comes down from maybe 1600 to 1450. Yeah, it puts about fifteen hundred euro back into your uh, into your pocket per year, which would be far more than any kind of tinkering around the edges with with taxes. If you're a ch- if you're paying eight hundred euro a month and reducing that by two thirds, that's significant. We want to make third level education free. So over a period of time, over a five year period, we would uh, reduce the third level fees five hundred euro next year, and so on. So these are ways that you can put money back into people's pockets. And crucially, what we would do at a time when home heating oil has increased by forty percent. In the last year, by petrol and diesel has gone up by twenty five percent. There's nothing Personally, you can do about would, that. Yeah, there is. Don't increase carbon taxes, which puts an extra twenty euro onto the cost of heating your home every time you fill your tank, or an extra euro fifty every time you get into uh, fill your car with petrol and diesel. It makes absolutely it is madness that we would do that uh, at, at this time to to push up these type of prices. Wherein the reality is that people do not have the alternative. There are people in my constituency that either has a choice now of you know, having a colder house or just becoming poor. Because what are they going to do? They're going to find thousands of euro to actually retrofit their home or change their whole energy system away from an oil tank to an air to gas that are underwater. Forget so about that. That's, that's eight to happen. 12 grand. Who's going to find that money? And that's the point. We need to incentivize. We need to make sure that the alternatives are available. So in our alternative budget, when it came, instead of actually increasing the cost of diesel and petrol, it was making the likes of electric vehicles, which are way outside the reach of many people, to make them more accessible to, 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 to some. So we need to start providing grants for second-hand electric vehicles it's because not everybody can afford the 40,000 or you know, 50,000 euro car. We need to make sure that the grants that are available for the new electric vehicles for low-income people okay. are okay. higher than the 5,000. These are ideas that we have put forward and then there's a lot of other stuff in terms of ramping up public transport, 
you know, we are. And we're very happy and we're very happy on Lee side with that. One hundred and eighty five million for a Cork suburban rail network and also coming down the track, a new east west light rail network. Don't see any mention of that from Sinn Féin, but the current government have done it and promised it. Yeah, but that, that's in it. Well, first of all, what we're arguing is for things additional to what is already planned. And we would ramp up the type of investment that is needed in public uh, infrastructure. You know, there are many parts of our, consti- uh, of our, of our country that, is, that has been left without the type of things that are taken, again, taken for granted in most European cities where you have these light rail networks, where you have this type of interconnectivity between cities. And that is right and proper that that has been delivered, including road networks. They are delivering, man. The National Development Plan is 165 billion euro worth of roads and rail. And well, it's not a completely roads and rail now, in fairness. But like, of course, and we welcome the fact that there's investment. The government has money at its disposal and it has to spend that money. And not everything that they're doing are we're critical with. Where we are critical is where they have decided not to do stuff or where they've decided to actually leave things the way they are. So, for example, you know, there is no mention in, in, in this budget about the institutional investors, people who are buying up apartment blocks in Cork City. And they are not. They're not. I asked the Taoiseach that yesterday because I heard you talk about that in the doll, And he says that is not allowed anymore. It's been outlawed. It is not the case. Apartment blocks is not outlawed. It has actually been an exemption for apartment blocks. What they, what they have done is they put a stamp duty, which is at a low rate in relation to housing, uh, which is multiple housing, but in relation to apartments where all the activity has taken place in terms of, uh, of these investment funds, there is no additional stamp duty and there is no law to ban them doing this. Indeed, so when you said in the doll yesterday about banning investment companies coming in here, hoovering up homes and apartment blocks, and many of it tax-free, that's true, is it? It is true. And what we need to do is we need to, what, what we've argued for, it's not a ban, but what we've argued is to disincentivize this by making sure, for example, when they sell these assets that they pay capital gains tax. If you've got a second home, Niall, and you sell it, you have to pay capital gains in it. The vulture funds or the investors don't have to pay it. When, if you have five houses down in Cork and you've got rental income of €100,000 on those homes, you have to pay corporation tax on that, on that rental income. These investment funds pay no tax in relation to this. So, And we want to increase the stamp duty on them to disincentivize. Why? Because we need our builders, we need our plumbers, we need our plasters to be building you, homes. Not only homes, okay. but homes that are affordable get you, for I people to buy you, and to rent. You also said that banks are continually allowed not to pay tax on earnings. Um, is that? Am I quoting you correctly? I mean, we did give them seventy billion in the bailout. Do we get any of that back? We get it back through the banking levy, uh, which is up this year. Um, and what we argued for that we'd be continued bringing in the same level of money, which is one hundred and fifty million. The government have continued it for another year, but at half the amount of money that's been brought in. And crucially, any of these banks and the banks are now profitable again. Are they paying tax on profits, the Irish banks? No, they don't pay tax on profits. Well, let me me say this here. AIB doesn't pay any tax on its profits here, or Bank of Ireland, but they do pay tax on their profits in Britain. Uh, so they, they don't, but they don't pay tax here because we have a lot. We, so we bail them out on the one hand and allow them to have profits without tax on the other hand. Yes, and Brian Lenehan, in fairness, uh, the late Brian Lenehan, in his wisdom, when this was going through 
the Dáil and the Shannad at the time, which was uh, when these assets were being transferred to NAMA and money was being given to the banks, he recognised that there would be a huge amount of losses that the banks had incurred that they would be allowed to offset against their tax. So he said that they should only be allowed 50% to carry forward, which means they would have to pay tax. But that didn't happen. 50% of the, it did happen. It happened for years. And then Fine Gael and Labour came in and changed the law. You and see, said, no, they can carry forward. For, so they won't pay tax for up to 20 years. OK, that answers my question. You see, it's all very well for you, finally, to be promising this, promising that, promising the other. But you, just like the government, would have to turn around and borrow that money. In fact, you probably would have to borrow an extra two billion that everybody's sons and daughters and grandchildren will ultimately have to pay back. So there's no real difference in who's no. making any promises. Well, first of all, there is because we look at some of the investment that we're making. We look at different ways where you can raise revenue to actually pay for that. And we touched on some of those issues earlier on in terms of, you know, solidarity tax, gold-plated pensions, so on and so forth. So there is ways to raise revenue that allows for these improved services for everybody. Like, it's in everybody's interest that we have more capacity. Yeah, but your, not, didn't your budget come in nearly $2 billion more? Only in capital expenditure. Well, only in, only right. in capital okay. expenditure. And that is where, so that is to build your houses, your homes, and that is to deal with the crisis that we have. That is to deal with not just housing, but also a significant okay. capital expenditure for health because we need extra capacity in our healthcare system. The government planned not one additional acute bed in our hospital systems next year than already is planned. And that's ridiculous. We have 450 people in hospital trolleys. Managers, staff are, are petrified. It's what's coming down the road come this winter and no additional capacity. And that's, look, okay. we're, we're, you're going to be talking on this radio, I'm sure, over the next year to people talking about the issues in, 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 in hospitals. Can I take you back to this point? It was yesterday that 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 they decided that that's the way it's going to be. Because if you decide not so, to increase capacity, then that is exactly the direct consequence. There can be no other consequences as a result of it. So you didn't you didn't hear yesterday when they were talking about increasing the amount of staff in hospitals right across the board. No, were you were you out of the door for that? No, I, I know exactly what they're planning to do in terms of increasing staff uh, in, in the hospital sector. I know exactly what they're planning to do in terms of additional capacity, which is 18 ICU beds, which isn't anywhere where we need, and absolutely zero acute beds, zero beds to deal with the additional capacity we need. There is no improvement in relation to a theatre space, uh, which we needed a serious investment in relation to that as well. So, look, you know... If you decide not to build houses, you're going to have a housing crisis. If you decide, as the population is growing older and bigger, to not to put additional capacity onto your hospitals in terms of bed and recruit the necessary additional staff for that, then you're going to have a bed and capacity crisis. It is as simple as that. That's why I said these are man-made decisions. You know, if you decide not to invest in childcare, you're going to have the highest childcare in the in the Western world. Okay. Okay. You know, if- for families, that's the decisions. And politics is about choices. Fianna Gael, Fianna Fáil and Greens have decided that they're that their choices and they, they'll live by them. We have a very different approach in terms of putting workers and families But you, you have another wait, you have another bit, bit of a wait before you get a chance. Is it frustrating to be the bridesmaid? Uh, look, you always want to be in there. You can see the difficulty, you can see the challenges. I'll be going back to my constituency this weekend. And while the housing crisis isn't acute there, is user facing in Cork or in, in Dublin, you know, I'm going to be talking to people in my clinic who, you know, who's just looking at this and saying, well, where's the hope now? Um, and and that is frustrating. That is really, really frustrating. But look, there are things that we've moved this government on and, and we welcome that. As I said, staff, the staff wages in terms of the childcare sector, okay. the disregards in terms of uh, care, these are things we campaigned on. And we can continue to move the government. But okay. crucially, as I said, 
you know, it's not just that they're out of touch and out of ideas, they're out of time and the sooner they get out of there, the better. I one think one final thing, I asked Simon Coveney about travelling north of the border. He says it is not a commemoration to the division of the island of Ireland 100 years ago. It's more of a religious ceremony with everybody coming together. Now, Michael D was having none of it, but he is travelling. Do you believe he's right? No, he's absolutely wrong. And Michael D was right. And the public were behind Michael D. And Michael D, I think, in fairness, isn't somebody who decides something in a whim. He considered this. He knew it was wrong. It would be inappropriate for the Irish president to attend a commemoration of partition, something that devastated our country, something that happened as a, you know, the fear of an almighty war, something that led to the pogroms where people were burnt out of their homes as a result of it. And the fact that an Irish minister is travelling north to take part in that type of celebration, I think it's is really di- disrespectful to the Irish people. I think it undermines the position of the Irish president um, and it speaks volumes in relation to, uh, to Fine Gael. But look, two years ago, they wanted us to commemorate the Black and Tans. Piers Doherty, thanks for taking the call. I'm obliged to you. Uh, Piers Doherty, Sinn Féin finance spokesperson. Covered as much ground as I could. Your thoughts on that are welcome. Text 086-8104-106. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at NeilRedFM. And you can pick up the phone on one 106 After 11, uh, Michal Martin. Laura, good morning. Morning, Neil. How are you? Okay, you earn too much to get any help, but barely enough to survive. That's a pretty powerful yeah. thing to say. It is. Um, my husband's in the Navy um, and he's actually staying next year at sea just to try to keep us afloat. I can't afford childcare because so even if I go to work between tax and childcare, I'm working for nothing anyway. So it's just the same as us of me not working. Yeah, in, in many households, the second income goes towards childcare if there's two yeah, or more and children. Yeah, and the tax then as well because at the moment, even my husband's at sea, he's on the higher rate of tax. Like his last paycheck, he got taxed close to 700 euro mm. because of the sea going coming in. Because um, of what? So he got taxed almost 700 euro. Okay, so um, are, are you trying to save for a mortgage in spite of all of that? Yeah, we are. Um, we have two years left on our rental agreement, so we're having, we're trying to save. And um, we've been looking at the rent to buy to help us, but it's only for the new bills. And like all the new bills are just so expensive. They're out of our mortgage range, even with our own deposit. You know, and a lot of them are tiny. So if they, you know, no matter what political party was to say, build more houses, it doesn't necessarily make them affordable to a no, working couple. No, they're not. No, like, I mean, and there's, there's some lovely second-hand houses. So if the rent buy was available for people for second-hand, for, like, even if it's just for the first-time buyers for a second-hand house. Like, there's some lovely houses there. Do you know, that would suit us better than a new house that, well, you can be ready for two years, and that's like we were on a waiting list for some houses, um, and they've gone up almost forty thousand. Yeah, I since know. last year, I know. you know, we yeah. can't get that kind of a mortgage. Yeah, yeah. you know, and especially with the one wage coming into the house. So, like, even with the rent to buy for the new house and a twenty percent and our deposit, we still wouldn't be nowhere. So, near who do you think? Six. Who do you think in the political world? as parties go, would be able to deliver to you, a young family with young children, your own home? Do you believe any of them would? I Honestly, I don't know. They've all promised this and we've tried, like it's not our first time trying to buy and obviously with COVID things have been delayed and um, look, we've had, we were trying before the last cash and we didn't get it and, but like trying to get a mass deposit, it's the way, like, the, you know, like they definitely need extra help for like, for, for households to be able to work two jobs um, you know, without the tax, absolutely could be us along with the childcare. Yeah, Sinn Féin, um, is, Sinn Féin is saying that 
in a matter of a couple of years, your childcare costs would reduce by two thirds because Sinn Féin would pay the salaries of the childcare workers. And if that would be fabulous. If you, know, you were if to believe them that, was, if you were to believe them it. that is. If, yeah, and look, it's very hard to know who to trust, but obviously, um, Fianna Gael and Fianna Foyle for the last, I don't know how many years, you know, they haven't kind of produced this or given us any extra help. You know, mm. so I don't know, like my next bid would be go for Sinn Féin and see what they could do as far as I'm concerned. Like the current government haven't helped us. In any which way, do you know... So you're amongst those that would vote Sinn Féin next time, is it? Uh, well, I actually voted from last time Okay, as well. okay, all right, okay. Because um, we definitely, like, we need, like, we have a, a, a three, we have three kids. Um, so for us, like, at the moment, our rent is 1200 Like, even with Richard C. going money, do you know, we're just making by between, like, our ESB has gone up massively in the last year. The diesel's gone up. Do you know, it's... The, the cost of living has really skyrocketed. Okay, so just finally, are you saying to me that your husband in the Navy stays away at sea a lot longer than is required just to earn enough money so that you can survive? Yeah. Okay. okay. My husband's done his over his two years now and he's after applying to stay for another year. To be so away from okay. his wife, to be away from his wife and kids. Yeah, yeah so he, like, he's out for four weeks and for two. Yeah. And that's constant then for the, the two years, which is hard when you have like a seven-year-old and you know, and sometimes you don't speak to them for a week at a time, and you know, so it's hard on them, it's hard on us. It's tough, yeah. You know, it's tough. And their sea going money is it's ridiculous, really. It's not what I think the last time he got 300 euros after tax for over two weeks to be in at sea. Okay, listen, I'm going to get another call in before 11, but thank yeah, you, Laura, for your contribution Thanks and for your honesty and openness. Cheers, mind yourself. Uh, John, good morning. Morning, Neil. Oh, just that's quickly. Pretty, that's, that's a pretty sad indictment of what a man has to do to keep his family. Isn't stay, it? To stay away from them. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But uh, do you know what really got me? Two things there, now. Mr. Coveney was on about all the houses that were going to be built. Good luck with finding a tradesman. Who would build them, is it? Yeah, a lot of the tradesmen have gone into factories and they're not coming back out because they, ha- they have conditions in a factory that you didn't have on a building site. And and what's more, tell me about the four point five billion. Uh, what contingency fund has that gone into for for when the civil servants will be looking for a pay rise? Uh, is that the COVID fund? Is it? Yeah, yeah. That's that, that's gone in. That's gone in for a rainy day fund. That's that's for uh, civil servants. That, uh, so they'll, they'll keep voting for them. But could and, could we not encourage more people to get into the trades and have more apprenticeships and bring in no, more workers they, from overseas? There'll be no young fella come out onto the wet trades, Neil, plastering and blocking. It's it, it's it's a tough physical job, and they're not interested in this because we we didn't look after apprentices uh, down through down through the years. But and the trades can earn big money. Like, do people realise well, yeah. that? Yes, they can, and that's why Germany has changed their educational plan that uh, there's children now learning uh, how to do uh, physical work instead of uh, all sitting in front of a screen. And but you know what really irked me? Okay. Was was the uh, the arrogance of Simon Coveney that he put himself in the same position as a working class couple that has to get up every morning and get their child out of, uh, out of bed at the crack of dawn to bring it to a uh, He said he was luckier than most. Hold on a while now. The man's a millionaire. He couldn't possibly have any grasp on what a working class couple are going through. Saying goodbye to your child every morning at the crack of dawn. Hail, rain or snow. And they have to go to work and they don't see their child at 6 o'clock in the evening. You see, come here. 
he really needs to pack it up but, and get a job. I mean, uh, far be it for me to, to be defending wealthy politicians, but don't they yeah. go and leave their children every Tuesday morning and not see them until late Thursday night? Yeah, week in, week out? The, they leave them in the care of the family. They don't, they're not dropping them off the creches. So we should only have working class politicians on low incomes, is it? Or should they be well, paid less? What are you saying? Well, let me put it to you like this. I think there should be a super tax on all their, on their example and pensions, which should go back into childcare. Mm. Uh, there's, there's no policy. There's no, look, we've spoken many times. There's no policy in this country between the guys who are making the rules and the people who have to live under them. And unless the people wake up to the, the fact that they've been lied to for decades, we now have two parties that were in opposition for decades and all of a sudden no, they're scratching Yeah, one so what is the action. option then? Would there be more lies from Sinn Féin then, do you think? Well, hold on a while, no. Sinn Féin has never been in government, so they've done no damage to the country. So, like, I'm not telling people to go out and vote Sinn Féin, but I'm telling you to, to, to think of another another module. But it could be know? like putting a 10-year-old behind the wheel of a Porsche 911. God almighty, what could happen? Well, well, we've seen we've seen train wrecks with the other two. <laughs> okay, good answer. All right, thanks, John. Appreciate All it. Right, Text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. Pick up the phone on one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Back after eleven, between eleven and midday, lots to do, including uh, Michal Martin. I'm Lana O'Connor. Red FM News is first for local, national, and international news, and you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by clicking on redfm.ie. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now. 1850 104 106. Red FM. Our dry air gas all the same. That story that uh, broke this morning. They're not going to allow uh, a number of passengers who got chargeback refunds from flights uh, because of COVID. They won't let them fly with uh, Ryanair unless they return the money. You might be wondering how this happened. Well, it was apparently... The flights went ahead, but the passengers didn't travel because of the government advice regarding COVID-19 and the pandemic. And then, and we, I spoke to many people on the air about this at the time. Do you recall it? Maybe you even called in at the time. People went looking for refunds from Ryanair and couldn't get it because Ryanair said the flights went ahead. But what a quite a number of people did is they went to their credit card firms, apparently American Express uh, a lot of the time, and they asked for a chargeback refund. And they were awarded the refund, as in American Express gave them their money back and whipped it back out of the Ryanair account. And Ryanair don't like that. And the sum of money refunded ranged from as low as €470 to nearly €750. So Ryanair now are saying, saying, if you want to fly with us, you got to give us the money back that your credit card gave you. So, I wonder how many people would be affected by that. It'd be interesting. Maybe we could chat. Text 0868104106. Meanwhile, I would love to know what the plans are for first-time buyers who are paying more rent a month than what a mortgage costs per month and being offered a mortgage of 180 grand, which wouldn't even buy a two-bedroom house in the city, says Chris. Far from it. Well, very little is the answer, really. Uh, another one from Fiona. I work full time. I worked full-time all my life up to two years ago when I was made redundant, and my mother fell at the age of 86 and broke her hip. So I work part-time, and I look after my mother. I don't get anything here as I live with her. She doesn't get a fuel allowance, just her widow's pension. There's so many people just over the entitlements bracket 
in this Ireland, in this Ireland, in this country of Ireland, and we seem to be always forgotten about. People just outside of the thresholds, but still struggling. I spoke about that earlier this morning. The fuel allowance should automatically be allocated to all pensioners and carers. I challenge any radio station to go on the streets Monday to Saturday and give a child or a teenager 70 cent a day, and on a Sunday give them 80 cent. That's the equivalent of the five euro that's being awarded to pensioners. 70 cent a day and 80 on a Sunday. Uh, I wonder what the reaction would be. Their own last pay rises, politicians, were anything up to two and a half times the yearly pension. And those increases for TDs came in immediately. It's a farce. Shame on them. Roll on the next election. Ten votes lost in my family home alone. Uh, Pierce Doherty makes so much sense. He is level-headed and young and knows what it's all about. Another one, ask the TDs for childcare. Could they not even introduce a tax rebate for those paying high childcare like they have for medical costs? You know how it's capped now that the most you'll pay is 100 on prescriptions and stuff like that. Couldn't they have done something like that with childcare? The most you might pay would be, uh, I don't know, 400, uh, maybe 500, maybe a month. And the rest of it would be rebated out of your taxes. Uh, it's an interesting uh, it's an interesting proposal Mary says can you ask Simon Coveney why their wages are so high and the minimum wage is 10 euro 30 an hour I hear him saying the right thing to do um, but perhaps they should stop partaking and cut in their own money incidentally people can't get a GP because the GP's books are full and closed so what are people to do in spite of free GK, GP care for kids uh, I actually had to pull in the car because I was getting really angry listening to Simon Coveney spouting numbers. People are dying because of overcrowded emergency rooms, waiting lists, and there are no services for mental health. Seriously, these guys are not smart enough to deal with this tsunami. In 2017, my dad died waiting to be seen in an overcrowded emergency room. It's worse now than it ever was. I'm crying with the frustration. These guys are an absolute disgrace. Life is so bloody hard and they don't see it as being hard, and therefore they haven't a clue. Sorry for your loss, Edel. Um, if, we're going to, if we are going to be short of electricity, then where is it going to come from? Uh, well, the whole idea with regards to power is that it will be wind turbines, that it will be wind generated. Isn't that the ultimate goal? Um, ask him why he's commemorating the partition of our country. I did that. He doesn't answer the questions, uh, particularly the lady asked about childcare. Changes the subjects to college students. Uh, ask about parents that have been paying for childcare and paying a mortgage and no help has been given. There are reams of texts here, which I'll come back to uh, a little later on this morning. But uh, after the break, um, Taoiseach, Micheál Martin. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Okay, just after the budget yesterday, uh, I caught up with the Taoiseach, Micheál Martin, by phone. Um, and I asked him things like, why couldn't you do more? Why couldn't you do more, particularly with regards to rent, the rent crisis, uh, the health issues in this country, the childcare costs, general taxation and mental health issues like that? We caught up with them in uh, the T-shirt. Why couldn't you do more, particularly with regards to uh, the rent crisis, childcare, health, taxation, mental health, things like that? Well, first of all, in terms of, of, of housing, I mean, the, the big allocations were made in the Housing for All strategy just some weeks ago. Um, about four billion per annum over the next five years will be spent on housing. And in addition to that, the minister wants to put a cap on rent increases below the level of inflation. Uh, he did bring in legislation during the summer to cap it at 
the increase in inflation, but then globally inflation started to rise. So mm. now he's moving to, to, to put a further cap on that. Uh, on mental health over the... Well, just, over but, just, but hang on, just on that, rents are out of control and, and yet there was no tax break for renters, for instance. Surely that would have made common sense. If the landlords well, aren't going to do it, couldn't we, you have stepped in? Well, I think the better tax approach was to actually give particularly younger workers, particularly workers in their mid-twenties who might be in around 35,000 plus, uh, those under 35 as well, to give them tax relief. Uh, more generally, to give them more disposable income. The but also plan. then to provide support in terms of people who are trying to afford to buy new homes. Uh, the tax relief on rent in itself doesn't guarantee um, that, that, you know, that that doesn't get factored into to, to the rent increases and so on. So it, it may not be the most effective policy in short, but yeah. the, what we do need to do is... Text the Neil Prendival Show now. 086 810 I know some of the opposition are opposing the tax increases. I'm surprised at that because I think a lot of people earning, uh, as I said, certainly who the widening of the bands will have those... That's the 1500 in income tax. 35,000 or 40,000 more, yeah. and then yeah. those under 35 will will will, will um, get a reduction in tax as a result of the changes to the to the credits. Yeah, but but again, you have I don't know what the average rent for a three bedroom semi in Dublin is. Probably about eighteen hundred. It's about thirteen hundred here on Leaside, and now we're hearing of students spending four hundred and fifty euro a month on um, a bedroom in a three bedroom semi and going to UCC for food parcels. Not great in your own city, is it? The most fundamental thing we can do in terms of housing is to build more houses. Um, and that's what we're going to do in an unprecedented uh, investment by the state now, but in terms of building both social houses, building affordable houses, building cost rental schemes whereby the rents would be significantly below the market rent. But that does take time. We're 15 months in government. We lost about five months because of lockdowns as a result of the pandemic. But there is a bounce back coming in housing construction this year. It's a bit better than we would have thought after the pandemic. So I think 2022 will add significantly what? in the house construction sector, okay. which is ultimately the only way to deal with this. Well, there are no, there, it there are. Crisis. It is a crisis. No, there are other ways. What, what about a vacant property tax on houses that are just locked up and not being used and given over for families to live in? But what we've decided to do is far more radical in the sense of bringing in for the first time ever uh, a tax on unused zoned land. If land is zoned for housing, now it will take time to organize, but this is a fundamental change which will uh, basically disincentivize people hoarding land that that's is already zoned for housing. I understand that. No, I understand that, but and that's the land. The existing derelict sites act, um, but that will cover, you know, that will cover the, the situations that you outlined. I think the derelict sites act has never worked, uh, and it's been in place for quite some time. But there are empty houses all over the country. But again, uh, the, the, in terms of the, the Derelict Sites Act is there to deal with that. It's a matter for local authorities to invoke it uh, and to make sure that those houses are brought into use. I would have thought um, right. and oh. that, But I, I think the more, the, more, the more radical move, Neil, is actually I, taxing unzoned land that people are hoarding and not making okay. available for right. housing. You could do, I, I would have thought you could do both and that revenue could have done the vacant property tax. What about banning investment companies from buying up entire estates? and a lot of them doing it tax-free. Could that not have been done? But that's been done, Nick. They can't buy up entire house, house and, uh, estates anymore. I mean, that, that, was, that changed were brought in during the summer. And why was, so why was, why was, why was Pierce Doherty banging on about it this afternoon then? Is it actually in place and running? No, I think he was banging on about something else. Um, but uh, it was that, actually. That, measure has been, that measure has been dealt with, and in fact, 
to Housing for All is very explicit in terms of saying the state is the major provider of homes over the next number of years, be they social and affordable. Uh, and uh, certainly we brought in <coughs> regulations that um, in, 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 in institutional investors cannot buy out entire housing estates. Okay, actually, he was banging on today. Which needs to change. I don't agree with that either, you know. He, he was banging on so. today. You were in the doll. He said that you were out of touch, out of ideas, and out of time. Uh, he also said it was a, it was a con job. Is it a, I, I got the impression that it was a budget to hook the young voter, you know, away from Sinn Féin maybe with free contraceptives and 50% off travel and things like that. Is, you, you probably won't admit to it, but did you have that in mind? No, I mean, basically, first point I would make is we're coming out of a pandemic. The economic recovery has been extraordinary so far. It's still a lot of challenges. What that reflects is that we got it right during the pandemic. We got the wage subsidy schemes, the EWIS, the CRIS, the pandemic unemployment pay- payment. The strategy of keeping as many jobs intact as we possibly can has worked, and we've kept many companies viable. Uh, you know, if Pierce was in charge during the pandemic, given their incoherence, I, I was, I'd be afraid of what would have happened because they were, they were all over the place during the pandemic. Mm-hmm changing their policy every month but put that to one side I think young people do need a break Neil uh, and I think the, the transport issues around the climate change uh, we want to incentivize public transport more this is a start in terms of younger people uh, in, within the certain age court 19 to 20 up to 24 being able to, you know, to have the, the cost of, of, of public transport but I would like to think we could do more in future years to incentivize greater utilization of public right. transport because that's where we need to go uh, and in addition to that, then reduce the cost of living for people. So in terms of abolishing charges for paediatric hospitals for yeah. people, uh, in reducing the drug payment threshold back down to 100 in terms of payment scheme, um, extending children's access to GPs up to six and seven-year-olds. All of that, if you take it all together, I think helps working families and people on low incomes to deal with cost of living pressures. And we wanted to do the same for young people in respect to the public transport, but also the SUSE grant, first change in 10 years. Um, in terms of threshold increases and those who can qualify and also reducing the threshold for the adjacent rate so that um, in terms of the mileage so what? young people will benefit we'd like to add to that in, in, in future years okay, but, but really they deserve to benefit and, and, and the tax relief will help some young people as well What about the middle income workers parents with kids uh, they tell me they're struggling to pay childcare costs struggling with high mortgages sick to death of being worked to the bone giving 52% of their wages and the USC in fact if you do the math um, they should give up childcare and go on the dole. They'd be financially the very same. I mean, that's the reality of the middle ground. But a tax relief will help the middle ground. I know the opposition were against it today and spoke against it. But you, uh, Pierce did, and he didn't believe in those tax reliefs. But they will help the middle ground. They help young people. But, um, but, but you could, couldn't and, you? And couldn't you? That you're talking about. So that's one on childcare. I think the investment um, will be very, very significant uh, because it, it's focused on looking after those who work in childcare. And I think providers will welcome that because it will enable them to retain and to recruit workers into the future. But people are, but it, still, it needs to be brought up. But people are still paying maybe 800, 850, yeah. 900 a month, sometimes more um, per child uh, for childcare. I mean, it's, it's, it's yeah, a I, full-time I salary. Dis- can, you aspire, can you aspire to even thinking about providing free health care, free education and free childcare for all? 
Well, we can, but I mean, again, I don't believe in the universality in terms of free education. We have a a very strong education system in the country um, in terms of our primary education system, and people have access to that, and people have access to our second-level education right across the country. And we provided even additional resources in this budget for disadvantaged schools, for example, largest investment in many, many years into the system, special needs education, an extra 1,100 special needs assistance. Yeah, I acknowledge that. And then an extra 1,000 teachers. So that all helps in education. In early education and childcare, very substantial investment is going in to help those who to teach and those who work, because that's the first step. We do need to do more to make it more affordable. I acknowledge that. And this year is a substantial investment. It will be followed in the following year by further investments. This year, we want to freeze increase in cost of childcare. And that's the engagement and the, and the between the minister the department and those who provide... But it's too high as it is. And it's too high as it is. but we we can't do everything in one year. And we're coming out of a major pandemic. I think the package is quite substantial on the childcare front. Um, And we're also improving the situation for parents for childcare services for children in after-school situations up to under 15-year-olds. Okay, I mean, we we looked... Clearly, there's a pension increase of a fiver and the living alone allowance. um, And there's also an increase with regards to the the fuel payments set to rise by a fiver at the same time that petrol goes up, oil goes up, home heating oil goes up, diesel goes up, everything goes up. It's like a fella tinkering around in his shed but actually doing nothing, isn't it? You kind of give with one no, hand. No, and, no. You know, well, you give with one hand, but I, I can see all of that being completely gobbled up by one thing alone, energy costs. Why do we go on about climate change so much when the, when the Chinese and the Americans aren't bothered at all? They're the biggest polluters. We go on about climate change, Neil, because it's killing us. As yes, a country, as a as a world, it's it's we've we've all seen the storms, the, the fires during the summer. Um, it's been quite extraordinary, uh, and we need to we need to make sure that you you spoke about young people earlier uh, and children. We have to leave the planet in a better place for the children today and young people today. We just simply have to. We don't have a choice, and we and every country has to do its bit. No, I take your point on on the increase in energy costs, which are globally mainly. Um, but we are providing in terms of the fuel allowance and in terms of other measures. Um, the the, 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 the thought to at least uh, deal with those cost of living increases. If we did nothing and didn't provide the 600 million in increases for social welfare, things would be far worse. Well, know, if we didn't provide the tax relief, things would be far worse. So it's not the case of doing nothing. We are taking measures that will help but people. Heating bills uh, go up by heating bills go up. Heating bills go up by forty. Heating bills go up by forty percent. And what do you do? You increase the tax on car on uh, carbon tax on oil and petrol in West Cork, where they have a terrible bus service, and certainly could never drive an electric car down around there. Um, it, it just seems very unfair. It's equally unfair that you would look at, say, for instance, thirty cent on the minimum, minimum wage of ten fifty, when the living wage is twelve thirty. So still on the minimum wage people are still living in poverty why would why doesn't one match the other well the low pay commission is, is it deals with the minimum wage and they recommended an increase per hour which we've we've approved right we're the second highest in europe now in terms of minimum wage um across europe um, and that 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 that, that is the situation there, uh, and it's the right thing um, to do. And in terms of the, the carbon tax, I mean, that, that we brought in legislation last year uh, to provide for that over the next 10 years. All of the international research shows it's the most effective way to disincentivize use of carbon. But more importantly, it gives us resources to make homes more fuel efficient. So we're going to do about 22 thousand houses next year to make them more energy efficient. Yeah, I know. That will help people on low incomes to have far lower 
uh, costs into the future. I know, but the with cost more of, environmentally farming and give funding for that. But the cost and of petrol goes just, up. Just the pa- thing, wait a second. The, the cost of petrol just, goes up, and you don't buy yeah, any. Yeah, your petrol is bought for you. Ah, look, you can personalize it all you like. The bottom line is the carbon tax well, is going to finish well, the point is. that a third of the carbon tax revenue goes to fuel poverty, goes to people who will be hit the hardest by fuel increases. And the research done today, on today, on yesterday's budget, sorry, shows that, in fact, that the, those on the lowest three decades of income will actually be better off as a result of the wide range of measures that have been taken in the budget notwithstanding the carbon tax uh, so I do think we have to be fair about it uh, and I think it's been reallocated the, the revenue has not been used by, in the generalist checker it's been reallocated out to people those who suffer most from fuel poverty will get the most of it uh, then they'll be retrofitting the houses which we'll do on an annual basis over the next 10 but, years sure. uh, and that will save costs ultimately for people in, uh, low, in low, who are on low incomes but generally Generally, and we'll be providing supports to people who want to adjust their homes to make their homes more fuel efficient. Yeah, well, why, 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 do you do, why don't you do something for people in homes? The, ho- the whole of the West of Ireland with, um, with uh, say, for instance, Pyrite and Mica um, and living in crumbling homes. Why don't you pick up the tab for that? If Mac- Michael, uh, as Michael McGrath said to me, money is cheap on the, uh, to borrow in international markets. Why do you help those people? But we will. Sure, we're, we're, we've been engaged with the homeowners uh, and a working group up to um, the week before, up to last week. Will you pick up the tab for it? And we were going to um, produce a scheme. The minister will come to the three party leaders in the next uh, week or two. And we, we will we will be producing a comprehensive scheme over and above what was provided before. It'll be far greater in hand. Why wasn't something uh, allocated we'll today? Comprehensively, Neil, it'll deal comprehensively with the issues uh, that those uh, homeowners face in respect of MICA. Uh, there's already a pirate, pirate scheme there that's been okay. subscribed and used for a number of years. Another issue that keeps on coming up on the programme is the universal social charge, which was supposed to be a temporary measure for three years. Uh, of course, we shouldn't have believed that. It's far from been three years. What's the story with that? Is that going to always be with us on top of income tax? Well, I mean, basically, we have a choice. We, we have to provide additional services and public services, which we're doing in terms of the childcare that you spoke about earlier. You can't have both, Neil. You can't say we have universal childcare uh, and no tax. I mean, that just won't work. Uh, but one would assume um, that the taxation we pay is high enough as it is without an extra tax. That It's far from universal. Nobody else in the world pays it. But it, it is required. Uh, taxes are required to pay for education, for health, and the health is, you, you know, we put enormous resources into health in the last year, uh, and this year again in the year coming, uh, over 20 billion now, uh, going into our health services. Um, social protection is enormous. We've, we decided we want to build houses for young people who want to, to be able to afford to buy houses and to, to provide more local authority housing and, and housing by approved. I know, we, we covered that. I know, all that yeah. does, yeah, but it all does involve. Yeah. And so therefore, if we, if we can reduce tax, we've done some reduct, tax reductions in this year's budget, and that's to, but you're not going to eliminate the USC. But, but talking about, but okay, tried. so you're saying it will be here to stay? Yeah, it'll be there, but and but we can improve it and make it more targeted. But it, it you know, the tax system is going to be as it is because uh, you believe that those that ha- you believe that those that have the most should pay the most. If you believe that's laudable, I, I have no issue with that. If that's the case. Those that have the but most pay the, the most. Okay. We, so we've, we, one of the, we've one of the most progressive tax systems 
in, in, in Europe in terms of those who are higher And income. indeed there are worse yeah, across no. Europe than higher than us, I get that. But when you talk of waiting lists, I mean, I've spoken... No, but, I don't agree, but I don't agree with Neil Laws. I don't agree with like I don't agree with the Sinn Féin policy of taxing small business people out of existence people who spent 10 years building up an enterprise creating jobs uh, and the minute they get over 100 grand they're screwed by, 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 by the they Sinn must be doing something right be because if you lose the people's support you're in big big trouble and Sinn Féin continued to dominate the opinion polls 32% no, against Sinn Féin no let me finish 30 why don't they matter well I mean the gap is but the gap is so wide now we have an enterprise economy. We need to support enterprise in this country, uh, and particularly small uh, companies who create jobs in this country. I passionately believe in that, and I also believe, you know, uh, generally, I mean, 400,000 jobs would have been brought back between 2021 and 2020. I know, but you've probably screwed a, it with the corporation tax, haven't you? What, what, that, what, what that reflects is competency in terms of how the government has handled the economy through a global pandemic once in a century event, and I think that's something that should be acknowledged. Yeah, but throwing money at healthcare, right? Throwing money year in, year out, pumping money into this health system has fixed nothing. That's what history has taught us. I don't agree. It's worse I than ever. Not. There's 100,000 children on waiting lists for appointments. We just, we've just managed the best vaccination program almost in the world. That wasn't throwing money at our healthcare service. I mean, like, like, I think we need a sense of perspective. We do have to improve the waiting list, you're correct, but the pandemic has added enormously to the waiting lists. Um, and we're, I'm 15 months as Taoiseach now, a bit more. We're, we're putting 250 million in this budget to deal with waiting lists. They are too high and we do need to get them down. And I'm very conscious of that. And that, that will require okay. an all-out effort over the next 12 months. I've got to ask you a question that I saw in the budget today. It said that there was um, uh, 868 million euros set aside in overseas aid, right? 868 yeah. million. 716 million has been set aside in Ireland's National Child Care Scheme. Um, are our families and our children worth 152 million euro less than overseas? Overseas aid. I think that's not a fair comparison. Well, that, that, are those figures accurate? Eight hundred and sixty-eight versus seven hundred and sixteen. Are they accurate? No, I, but sorry, yeah, but it's not. It, it, I think you're not. It, it's it's you, so the idea of putting the overseas assistance to the poorest countries in the world up against one area of public expenditure isn't a fair comparison. That's my point. I think we Why? Irish people. Why Irish people? Because they could pay for... You are not comparing like with like. Well, I am comparing overseas aid at 868 with Irish children. I'm not necessarily against against any aid, but I see less being spent on our own children for free childcare for all, free GPs for all, free hot meals in schools. Well, tell me how I'm wrong. We're spending billions on children in Ireland in respect of health, in respect of education, early education. Uh, right through uh, to primary, which is early education, the whole way up. So it's not a fair comparison. How much is being spent on the childcare scheme where people are helped to support and um, and look after their children and say, for instance, uh, creche and school settings and play schools the and things like that? Is investing over, over, yeah, you're right. The government is investing well over 700 million. Less than overseas. It's, it's 172 um, 52 euro less than overseas aid. I mean, that would that would give more fuel for the elderly, wouldn't it? Money for students to buy food instead of well, 
food you banks. Abolished, obviously, I'm just wondering why is one higher than the other? But, Are but, our children but, worth but, less? But what is, I don't get what you're saying, really. Are you saying we should abolish overseas? Maybe you're right. Maybe some people would want to do that. I personally think Irish people have always wanted us to help the poor in the world. No, we've done that for years. Eight or nine countries we've, we've prioritised in Africa uh, to do the most basic of interventions to help them, for example, to develop agricultural system, to help them develop governance, to help women's health. Um, we, we've helped to, to create primary education in places like Uganda, for example. I understand, uh, I, I understand that. Countries I'm not, I'm I think that's something you know we should do as a country. I think overall, relative Europe and the world, we're a wealthier country than, than most. Some, some might say uh, we should so be providing should for something. our own first, perhaps, so that they're fed, they're warm, that, educated, and have a roof yeah. over their heads. But we're doing that. Slowly. So we're, yes, providing we're, providing, we're providing four billion a year now on housing. And will be for the next five and, years. And you found 165 so, billion for the NDP, of which 185 million is coming to Cork for a suburban rail network. Um, and yet it's Mallow, Middleton, and Cove that are already served by a rail network. Maybe that's for another day. But that'll be much better. What we're going to do? Better than rail network. I think yeah. it's very radical in terms of what's being proposed there, Have and it's 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 good investment in 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 in. in radically changing the regularity of service, speed of the service, uh, particularly linked into housing development as well. Okay. Um, I would have thought that, east-west would have been a better, you know, balancolic we'll uh, carry the line. But, but, but we're doing, in addition to that, Neil, we'll be doing the light rail. Light rail, yeah. Which, but, will be for, which is provided for in the National Development Plan uh, as well. Okay. And, um, uh, have, and, have and you, that plan is well advanced uh, in terms of the Metropolitan Air um, Plan in respect of light rail. Uh, and I think the NDP is very good for Cork. And we, when you consider have, the 300 million we've already allocated for the Docklands, the investment in Cork Airport uh, in terms of the new runway, uh, and in terms of further investments to get traffic up and running for the early part of 2022. Correct, the convention centre. And yesterday's budget as well. Yeah, yeah. I think th- th- those are good measures. And know. 28 million for the Crawford. Um, have you resolved your issue with uh, James O'Connor, the TD, regarding the Castle Martyr Killer Bypass? Is that sorted? He says he's going to resign. <laughs> Yes, um, in terms of, like, the National Development Plan allows us the scope to support uh, a bypass of Castle Martyr. There's initial work being done by the County Council in respect of a strategic assessment review. We then have to get into uh, the, the route selection. But, I, I know that. I'm just, what I want to know is, have you managed to talk him off the fence? Well, I think we, 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 I think we had a good meeting with James. Okay. Um, and yeah, he was satisfied with that meeting. Um, he is very passionate about it, uh, and correctly so. I mean, a huge number of vehicles go through Castle Martin and Killa. Uh, something needs to be done there. Hadn't been really done, addressed in the last decade. It needs to be addressed. Uh, He's happy now. On, on dealing with He's that. happy now, is he? Sorry? Is he happy now? He's satisfied. He's okay. satisfied. Yeah, okay, just, just off budget. Just off budget, just before I let you go. Where are you on no jab, no job? Sorry, in terms of vaccination? In terms of healthcare workers, potentially teachers being told you're fired if you don't get a vax. Well, I think in this country so far, we've got one of the highest rates through a voluntary system. I think in the healthcare system, you, you should, if you're not vaccinated, people should not be on the front line if you're not vaccinated because you're putting other people at risk. That's a fundamental principle of health that you do no harm. Um, and I don't think you should be on the front line. People could be redeployed or whatever, but you certainly shouldn't be on the front line dealing with patients if you're, if you're not vaccinated. Um, and I think, you know, overall, we've had a very good response 
uh, in respect to the vaccination program. I don't. Yeah. We're not going to legally mandate, but we have we have a voluntary system yeah. that resulted in close to ninety percent. I know that. Uh, so you're not saying they'd be sacked, is yeah, it? They just be they'd be just reallocated to non frontline work, but, even but though the they're frontline workers. executive has taken. The health service executive has developed its own human resource policy in respect of vaccination and unvaccinated. Oh, where are you on it? You're saying so that if you if you don't take the jab, you're irresponsible. I didn't use that phrase. No, but I'm just more... saying we. What I believe you should, one should vaccinate. I believe, I'm passionate believe in vaccination, in the sense that I think over the years, over the decades, indeed in centuries, it has proven to be a great breakthrough in terms of. Um, saving lives in, in respect of many oh, yeah, viruses okay, and disease okay. over time. And, and likewise, if you look at the pandemic, all the evidence is showing that the vaccines have been very effective against severe illness, against hospitalization, and against um, um, you know, you know, death. And, and, and you have to weigh it up. But it it's changes. A very dangerous, it's a very dangerous disease, COVID, and it really yeah. creates a lot of impacts on people. And I listen to people who got COVID, and a lot of people aren't over it yet. Um, so the vaccines do work, and that's my view on it. Yes, but it changes the vaccine policy from, um, you know, a person's choice to mandatory if they want to keep their job and a roof over their heads. Like Colin Henry has said that it will be the government who will decide. You're saying it's the HSE will decide. No, sorry, in, in terms of we we have not brought in a mandatory vaccine law, and we won't be. Okay, okay. And I think it, it, no, we're not in terms of income. I think no person could be deprived of their livelihood in terms of the private sector or their general work. But there are issues in terms of healthcare settings. Very because if, if one is not vaccinated, you could put somebody at risk. Okay, so that would be moving them to non frontline positions. Just very finally, yeah. and this is finally, it was a very emotive call this morning from Tess Woods, uh, whose son suffers from spina bifida, is non verbal, doubly incontinent, and his intractable epilepsy. And he's been suffering with many seizures since he was 11 months old until she started um, through her consultant to give him CBD oil. I'm not talking about the one now that's got, um, you know, that's got. Uh, THC in it, just CBD oil, but it's costing her €20,000 at €645 a month. She begged me to raise it with you uh, during this conversation because she can't get any help. She's working two 48-hour shifts and is exhausted and a broken woman because she's been told she can get no help, nor supplement, nor rebate, nor refunds because it's a food supplement. Is there any way you could look at that? It has made an incredible change to her son's life. He's having no seizures Whatsoever now, I certainly look at it, um, and um, because I know there has been funding for the, and you're correct in the difference between the, the CBD with THC. Correct, um, but I, I will talk to Tess in relation to that. Would you mind talking to her, and would you mind if I sent you her email, and you could pick up on it if at all possible? Uh, I certainly will I'll okay. do that I, I certainly will Thank yeah. you Taoiseach Thank you Michal Thanks for taking the call Cheers Thank you very much indeed Appreciate that The Neil Prendival Show On Cork's Red FM Our phone lines remain open After midday 1850-104-106 And your thoughts On my conversation With Michal Martin Are welcome Text 0868-104-106 Email neil At redfm.ie And pick up the phone On 1850 uh, 104-106. Uh, I have time for maybe two or three calls, then we'll pick it up again tomorrow, then and lots more besides. Gillian standing by, so is John. And good morning. Good morning, Neil. Okay, thank you for holding. Um, what's on your no mind? No problem. No, it's just that um, the situation we're in at the moment, Neil, you know, we still have a mortgage on our house. My husband worked for 41 years, never went to the door office in his lifetime. Yeah, yeah. And mm. when he retired at the age of 59, he went out sick with 
you know, bits of health problems. Yeah. And when the sick money was finished, he's entitled to nothing. And is he gone 65 now, 66? No, he's 60. Okay, so no, 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 no unemployment benefit. Nothing, because everything means trusted. But even though there is money in the bank, Neil, like I'm on two hundred euros a week, the mortgage is two hundred and thirty a week. But they're looking at that as savings, but it actually is not. If you understand what I'm saying. So they look at what you have on deposit in the bank, and on that basis, refuse him social welfare. Exactly, but if if you. If they read it properly, they'd understand that it's not for us. It's it's for the mortgage. Yeah, you need the savings because you don't make enough to pay the mortgage. Exactly. Yeah. And exactly. did you did you appeal that? We did appeal, and we're getting nowhere. He didn't get a payment since the end of August. So I have two hundred euros a week, and Robert has nothing. So how do you, see, that doesn't add up. You have 200 euro coming into the house and a mortgage of 230. Yeah, it, you're spending your savings, is it? Yeah. It's just coming straight out of the savings, yeah. Yeah. And so sooner, sooner, it's very unfair. Yeah, so, someone that worked all his license, he left school. Yeah, and at this and stage it now, it's too late to go back to work, clearly, obviously. Uh, it's too late. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. too late. Yeah, so hi- I mean, who's, hi- who's hiring somebody at 59 anyway, says you? Yeah, well, he's nearly 61, O'Neill. Yeah, yeah. So, I don't know what we're going to do. I, I You know, it's like banging our heads. We, we, we never dealt with, you know, this And why does sickness benefit come? Why does sickness benefit come to an end? I think you can only get that for two years. And after that, sickness benefit ends... That, you can he applied for supplement, supplementary welfare, which is kind of like a bridging gap. Yeah. And they refused. He's not, he wasn't able to work, sure he wasn't. He couldn't physically no. work. No, no. So, like, he's almost just thrown on a scrap heap. He's an Irishman that worked all his life in this country have zero meal. Zero. So he would need to wait until pension age? Yes. Yeah. And then we wouldn't even have a penny and probably not even a house. And you don't think that the savings will continue to pay the mortgage to pension age? Not a hope. So you must be very worried about that. Very worried, Neil. Very worried, Neil. Seems very unfair, doesn't it? It does. Would you think so? Would you agree with me? Absolutely, I would. I mean, he can't work. He couldn't physically. Was it outdoor work? Was it hard work? It was hard work, hard physical work. Yeah, yeah. No, no, nobody, nobody should be left behind. Nobody should be left without some no, kind of uh, not without when some you're kind of support. Not worked all your life, Neil, and paid your taxes. Why isn't he on long-term no. bis- disability? Uh, refused. <sighs> People are making these decisions. People making these decisions. I wonder do they actually look at the real-life impact of them? Yeah, you see, that's that's it. Like and. Sometimes you have to take off that thinking cap, Neil, because you'll crack. With stress and anxiety and worry. Exactly. I know, I know, I know, I know. Um, Let's see if anybody has anything like that to share, Anne, but thank you for your contribution. John, good morning. Hi, Neil, how are you doing? I wish I had more time, but but I don't, so plough ahead. A married worker, no kids. You say you couldn't afford kids, is it? 
yeah and realistically with our living situation it wouldn't be feasible I, w- I wouldn't visit a, a newborn baby on my mother in, in a fit she's in her 80s she's done her hard work of her life and that's what it would be about both of you working mammy would mind the child is it that's it and yeah. you know we're, I mean we're sharing the house with my brother as well uh, the joke of it is we're on three quarters of an acre but we can't get planning permission to expand the house to make more space or to put another log cabin in oh I see you're married uh, working and living in the family home your parents yeah. home yeah yeah and and why can't you get planning permission you're from the area uh, we are but we, we applied previously it was turned down uh, anytime we've tried and uh, a number of years ago there was an industrial gas main run through the middle of our garden, so we can't build anywhere near it. Oh, for God's sake. So you're in the family home with a lot of other people. You also smoke and drive a diesel car. Yep. So there was quite literally nothing in this budget but tax costs for me. I don't drink. Uh, my wife doesn't drink. Yep, we smoke. Not the worst thing in the world. Uh, and no, but you, be, you can be damn sure that every budget will increase the price of fags. So, oh, yeah. you know, I, 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 that, that's a given. I don't, even, I don't even really register it anymore because it, you know, I, I'm well aware all our government wants to do is be the, the good, you know, the, the well-behaved country mm. taxes everything they don't like out of existence. Well, they're encouraging you to give up. Well, yeah, but equally, it's it's taxing it out of existence because it looks good on the international. Stage. What is a box of fags now? Fifteen euro, is it? Uh, the ones I get are, well, they were 12 yesterday. They're probably 12.50 now. Um, but yeah, some of, the, some of the more expensive brands are 15, 16 euros okay. a pack. And you're, you are saying that um, you'll vote Sinn Féin. Did you vote Fianna Fáil or Fianna Gael in the past or did you even vote? Uh, I've voted most of my life. Uh, previously, not the last election, I voted Sinn Féin there again. The elections before that, I voted by candidate rather than by party. Okay, and what do you, I mean, uh, how, can you trust them? Uh, from what I've seen, no. Anytime I've gotten in touch with any, of the, with any of my local TDs, I get either no response or a form response. Uh, so I just don't even bother going looking for them anymore. And what so do you want them to do for you? Uh, well, a good example would be we're on the National Broadband Scheme. We're supposed to, we were supposed to get it in in August. The poll that was supposed to come in is condemned. The National Broadband guys have been up and down my hill for six months, did nothing about it. Uh, and we were told in August it would be two weeks. It still hasn't happened. Okay, do you need it for now, work? Yeah, my wife was working from home uh, for a broadband company, in fact. And we can't even get that put into the house. Okay, so working, working from home, not being able to build on your own land, uh, a smoker driving a diesel car... Wasn't a good day yep, for you and yesterday. I do, I do a certain amount of mileage for work. Uh, and work have also put me on a college course, which will involve me going up to Leitrim every six weeks or so. So, you know, electric cars aren't even remotely feasible for me. I work in retail. I'm not on big money. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to be buying a, a Prius or a, a Tesla. Alex, yeah, yeah. Or, um, yeah well, you, you get the VRT. I think there's a five grand grant, but that, you won't be going out buying a Tesla with that. No, I, like, I, I changed my car last year. I spent 10 grand on a 2.2 Mazda CX-5 because that should keep me going for a decade. Yeah, okay. You call them gangsters and that you call Irish people pigs for the slaughter with tax, is it? Yeah, sure, that's all they want. You know, I mean, any government who voluntarily, or well, not voluntarily, but took pay rises in the middle of a pandemic and gave nothing back to the people. Are you joking? Mm, mm. 
It is the most ignorant possible thing to do. Let me get one more call on the air. Thank you, John. Gillian, good morning. Hi, how are you? Okay, what have you, what have you got to share with us? A single parent um, with disabled children? Yeah, I mean, what, I, what, what really stood out for me was the fact that they have raised the disregard for carers. What's that mean? Which sounds great. It means that you can earn a certain amount of money before your carers is either reduced or taken away from you. Right. That's great, but they haven't increased the amount of hours I can work. I can still only work 18.5 hours. Now, unless I find a job that will pay me 18 euros an hour, I'll never meet that income with disregard. And what is your job? Well, at the moment, I am, I'm a healthcare assistant. So, as well as taking care of disabled people at home, I go out into the community. Um, I work for a company. It's practically a zero-hour contract. I could have 15 hours this week. I could have five hours next week. Okay. Because the HSE are tendering out all of the care in the community to whoever will give it to them for the cheapest, which means a lot of healthcare workers are essentially working zero-hour contracts. When you're a carer, you're only allowed to work 18.5. If I work 19 hours, my carers is taken away completely, regardless of how much I'm earning. Okay, so you keep it below 19 hours then? Oh yeah, you have to be. You have to be. And there are so few good, permanent, part-time jobs that are under the 18 hours a week. And then we'll say, if I'm trying to further myself in education... I can only, I have to take those hours that I'm using for my education and I have to take them out of the hours I would be working. Because if you want to better yourself or you want to be a better carer or you want to be able to help the child that you're taking care of and you're going to college to learn about that, if you're going there for five hours and it takes you an hour to get there and an yeah. hour to get home, yeah. I can't work for those seven hours. Those seven hours have to be taken off. Oh, I know what you're saying. What's, honest, it, yeah, what's my, it like at home then? It is stressful. Life is very, very stressful. Like, I heard him going on there about housing, and my heart goes out to the gentleman talking about how to live with his parents. Like, we're in a situation where accessible rented accommodation is nowhere to be found. We are on the medical housing list. Medical priority housing list is over five years. I've a little fella going on 16. He's had no access to a toilet, no access to a shower or a bathroom for five years. Why? I, because we can't find accommodation where it's accessible for him as a wheelchair user. We're constantly in contact with the council. Who where are you saying, living? Yeah, we are, we're living in Mitchelton. Okay, in, in, in your own home? No, we're renting. All right. We're yeah. in rented accommodation. Okay, but it's, um, so that isn't suitable for a wheelchair user? It's not suitable for a wheelchair user. We're trying to find rented accommodation that is suitable for a wheelchair user. I mean, it can't be gotten. So is the bathroom upstairs then, and the shower and the loo? Ba- bathroom is upstairs. There's a tiny ensuite that's under the stairs, but you couldn't get a wheelchair in there, and you couldn't get a teenager in there. In so a you have a teenager that can't have a, a decent shower or wash? Oh, yeah, and it's been that way for five You've been placed on hold. Oh, sorry about Please that. wait. I think you put me on hold. I'm out of time, but uh, may well come back for the rest of that conversation in the morning. Thank you, Gillian. Our lines will stay open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Tell that lady talking to Neil, whose husband um, had to re- quit work early because of illness. Tell that lady that uh, after two years on illness, he can apply for invalidity pension. It is not means tested. I see a few texts saying that. She, I, I did say that to her, and she said that it was rejected. Didn't didn't she say that it was refused? Uh, I'll double check on that. We'll pick it up in the morning. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.